And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... This is Stone Gossip. Fucking camera in the truck. And welcome to another episode of Live on Four Legs Podcast, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience. And today we have another awesome episode for you. We're heading out to Michigan, the home of, well, I mean, we're not going to Detroit. It's Grand Rapids, so uh, the, I think they have an AHL team or something like that. It's not not the Red Wings or the Pistons or anything like that. But, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a nice little... Uh, Midwestern town, Grand Rapids, Michigan, 2006. And it's a special episode because today we have Bradley Piasecki, one of our Patreon donors here. Bradley, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. You got it, man. And uh, this is, um, and hi, Matt, by the way. Hey, guys. <laughs> yeah, you're part of the show, too, I suppose. <laughs> um, so we, uh, I mean, for, first of all, we we got to kind of talk about how how we all met um, when we put together this this fantasy league over the summer to do all the the Pearl Jam uh, the Pearl Jam fantasy league. We we've talked about on the show before. For those of you that don't know, I I, I started it back uh, before the tours in March, and you know we had a huge draft in a Facebook chat room, and it was it took about two or three full days i don't remember yeah Yeah, two of the most stressful days of my life i think (laughs) oh completely oh they were awful but awful fun too because it was just 10 pearl jam fans just chatting back and forth and and trying to figure out their teams and their strategy and it was so much fun and really if it weren't for the the leagues I wouldn't. I don't think I'd come up with the idea for the podcast. So you know that's, and you were a huge part of that. Like just discussion that we'd always, you know, if a live show was going on, I'd try to, I'd try to cast it uh, through Facebook if anybody was uh, doing a live stream, and I'd always kind of bring stuff up in the set, and you know, you and uh, and I'll pop a couple names out there: Bill Vorberg and. Uh, Jeff Lilly and Jimmy Bendix, a couple good names from the league, uh, but always kind of chat back and forth about like what you liked and didn't like in setlist, and and here we are. Oh yeah, yeah, so, I had a blast doing that league. It was so fun. Yeah, I, I'm I'm itching for 
the season to start. I, it's <laughs> it's not like baseball where in March you can kind of say, okay, we can get a draft together. But it, the minute that they announce a tour, we can start figuring out a draft. So and right, well, this is, I'm in again. So yeah, oh yeah, you're you're grandfathered in. You'll you'll be <laughs> in. Um, there might be another person from from our league that might not be in, but you know, sure. that's uh, that's that's another thing for another time, right? Right, Matt. You know who I'm talking about. Of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, if we do if we do those leagues, if I if I get if I get a little uh, crazy, I might do one for every Pearl Jam drummer because we were Jack <laughs> Irons League. Right. The other one was uh, Dave Cruzen. We might we might start a Abrazzese, a Chamberlain, and a. Uh, a Matt Cameron league. So if Very if cool. you're out there if you're out there listening and want to do be involved in a Pearl Jam fantasy league, uh, you know, just let us know and we'll put you on the list on the reserve list and once things come about, we'll uh we'll start the magic and it'll be freaking glorious. So hope hopefully we'll get enough shows in this year that uh we can get a good selection of songs and all that so but anyway we're here not to talk about fantasy but to talk about grand rapids in 2006 and um this is supporting the avocado album that matt holds so dearly in his heart uh your favorite but what are we we're not covering it today matt we're not we're not doing big wave spoiler alert spoiler alert there's no big wave uh in this set when how long is it going to take for us to do a big wave show? Um, are we are we going to just are we going to hold out the whole entire year just if, to If you told me never, I'd probably believe you. <laughs> Cuz that seems to be how it's going. I'll have to get Steve on to do that one show that he went to that he said Ed crowd surfed during. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other show I was thinking about nominating for uh, my choice, they did play Big Wave, but that was the only Avocado song. And I know you guys wanted to kind of go back in time a little more and uh, focus on a show from like the Avocado tour. So, I mean, we're always open to everything, and definitely this is this is the first of uh, Inside. I, I know we did Vic Theater, which was kind of in between Avocado and and Backspacer, but this is the first of the true avocado tour that we're really doing. I, I, right. I don't even know if you want to call it avocado tour, but it's, it's supporting the album. I mean, it's, and it's fresh off the presses. This is like two weeks later. Yeah. Right. I, I just don't know like what they, they call tours anymore. I, you know, they, they have all different names for tours nowadays. And, and is it just by default whenever an album comes out, is it the lightning bolt tour, the backspacer tour? It, they never really, Pearl Jam never really puts a title to these things. Right, yeah. Just the fans. So for argument's sake, we'll just call it the Avocado Tour and, and leave yeah. it at that. And actually, so. it's it's funny. That's that's going to come into play a little bit more into the set. I actually have uh, something in my notes uh, that kind of directly ties right to what you were just saying. So once we get to that, I'll, I'll bring it back. Excelente mucho. Um, so this... This show is May 19th, 2006, and it's about two weeks after the release. This is about two weeks after that Irving Plaza show you always bring up, Matt. Um, and 
let's let's put a little background spin on this because you have this tour and they were in Hartford, I think, a couple days before this, and then they did two nights at the at the United Center in Chicago. I think those were the two uh, that this preceded. Yeah, and, I was at both of those shows too. Okay, so you kind of you, you kind of know the energy of what happened those nights. Kind of tell us tell us what it was like to be in the crowd both of those nights because that's going to tie into this show pretty nicely. Yeah. Um, so as much fun as I had during the shows, I still had, you know, a great time. But the crowd diff definitely seemed a little not as excited. They, You know, they were a little uh, timid, I guess you'd say. And I remember reading on the uh, forums at the time, a lot of people were complaining about the set lists and the choices of songs and things like that. And it just seemed like a lot of people were kind of just like unappreciative of seeing some great shows. And then uh, this one came along and kind of changed that around. Yeah. And I think a lot of what people kind of alluded to in this was that they were getting a lot of avocado heavy stuff early. Like you were basically hearing the first four or five songs from the album in the beginning. And I think a lot of people didn't like that, especially those with high 10 club numbers in front and that's what we'll get to in a minute that um apparently weren't giving back the energy that the band was giving to the crowd because when when you think of what the band is doing up there and who they can see and and you know you can you can hear when 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 the crowd sings you can uh you can feel when everybody's excited but when you need like a moment to where you get lost in a song and you need to kind of suck some energy back into you like mid set when you're doing a song, like, I don't know, like a, you are or something like that. That's kind of like timid and you need to find a pick me back up. You're looking what Eddie can see. He can see like the first like six or seven rows. So his point of vision here, if he's not getting the energy from the crowd, then he's not, going to give it back and that's not by design he it's not like he doesn't want to give it back it's just it's an energy thing energy energy flows this is what you know science and all that nonsense that i'm not smart enough to talk about um so what they did for this show they got all those all those 10 club members in front that have the extremely low numbers uh that get into every show uh that you know the lottery gets them in the front rows and all that. They um, they switch things up once they get to Grand Rapids. So Brad, I'm going to have you talk about that uh, personally. What happened to you when you found out where your seats were? Oh yeah, we were. I uh, so I went with my buddy Nick, who uh, still goes to shows with uh, with me to this day. We went to the Wrigley show. Uh, together and so this was one of the first shows we went to together but um so we got our tickets and we found out we were in row p or q or something and so we originally thought that like oh this must be a back section or something like that because we were relatively new to the 10 club i mean i think we both signed up in 02 or 03 basically around the um riot act time and so then we actually got to our seats though we found out we were within the first like 15 or or so rose and we were thrilled i mean that was the closest either of us had ever been uh at that time because this was uh if you remember they stopped doing pit seats for a while 
And so the seats went right up to the rail. And, um, and so, yeah, only being like, like I said, like 14 or 15 rows back, we were really excited for that and give us a, you know, good sight, good sights, good sound. And just, we were thrilled. And I think the idea behind that was just the band, you know, a lot of people have speculated that the band wanted fresh faces up there, people that were going to be energized that they, you know, essentially won the lottery uh, right? and got seats that they wouldn't necessarily have gotten um, in in the United Center or any other night. So, oh, for sure. You know, middle of a tour and they're going every night almost they're like doing you know maybe two in a row and then one night off and then travel like a travel night and then another night and they're i mean they're this is this is more touring than than they do nowadays this is pretty tiring stuff so um they need to feed off the energy of those front crowd people and and the new people that are there that are so excited to get the seats that they've never gotten before i think as you'll see, as as we really get into the show, there was so much passion uh, that the band gave back to to the crowd just because they were able to to feed off off of that energy. And um, you know, I did. What's what's funny is sometimes with a show like this, because when I talked to you and, and asked you what show you wanted to do, you just said let's do Grand Rapids. I said all right, cool. So my research on it. I don't go out besides a set list. I don't go out and like read every single thing. I try to grasp people's reaction to it now in hindsight before looking into what it was. Um, Mm -hmm. And when the first comment I got was, well, somebody said, it depends on who you are. If you had a really low cl- 10 club number, you hated the show because you were way in the back. If you had a really high, a higher 10 club number, you got in front, then your perspective on the show is different. I had no idea that something like this happened. So not only, you know, the set is awesome. The set is amazing, but um, you get something really freaking unique that the band does that, you know, it's not going to happen every single show. It's just... Um, it's fun discovering those things because you can't just by looking at a set list on livefootsteps.org. Hi, Dave. Uh, just from just dis- like looking at those set lists, you can't you can't tell those little factors. It's like kind of like being at a a baseball game, and if you look at the box score, you're not going to know whether or not somebody made. A diving catch at the wall to rob a home run. Exactly. So it's, I, I think it's just such a cool little thing to that this episode is kind of centered around, and you'll you'll hear really early on. Oh yeah, yeah. And I remember they were doing. Uh, they had announced that for the, all the shows on the tour, if I remember correctly, they were doing some sort of lottery for the first two rows and then rows nine and ten. So that just to mix up some. Uh, to get some newer fans in the front. But what it sounds like, and like what you came across in your research, was that they like basically an entire section got moved up uh, to the front yeah. instead of just a few, you know, a handful of fans. Yeah, it sounded like a complete just 180, just flip the whole thing around. And you know what? Those 
those people that were in front that didn't want to hear worldwide suicide uh, two nights before, well, then we don't have to pay attention to them this time. <laughs> right. So, you know. Um, all right. Anything else before we kind of dive into the set here? Matt, do you have anything? No. Uh, everything we've talked about so far are actually things that I'm going to talk about during the set. So, uh, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out well, I think. I think we should get into it. All right. Um, opening up here is Elderly Woman. And I think we talked a couple weeks ago, uh, maybe the Moline show they opened this with. Yep. And, um, and I said, I don't like this as an opener. And sometimes it just takes one version to change your mind. And this version was the one that might have changed my mind on this. I, I, really? I think I'm in. I think... I think I'm into it. This now, this one, this one has this, a different feel. To this it. one was rough, dude. Well, okay, let's let's talk about that. When you listen to this, we're gonna play. We're gonna play this right now. When you listen to this, it's gonna sound a little weird because you can hear them start the song, but midway through that opening verse, like around the "cannot find a candle of thought" or so. Uh, the crowd is going to all of a sudden react like they had no idea what the song was. And then poof, it just, it just showed up and they were like, Oh, there it is. It must've been an audio issue or something like that, where uh, the speakers weren't on for the crowd. Now, who knows? But it just, it sounds so good. Cause the, I'm guessing the audience had no idea how to react. And then once they knew how to react, everybody gets into it. So listen to it here. And um, I love it, but Matt, you hate it. So let's let's get into it after. One, two, three, four, two. I seem to recognize Okay, first of all, before we get into uh, negative Nancy Matt over there, uh, who, who said he hated it, um, well, this no, version, I, at least. I, I did not say I hated it. <laughs> uh, you are, see, Randy, you like to put words in my mouth and make me make me look like I hate everything, but I, I did not ever say that I hated it. You hate Long Road. I, you, I, I you don't hurt, like hurt my feelings last but, week. But this is not Long Road. This was just a... Uh, keep going, and then I'll I'll tell you. Well, what was I, wrong I, with it. I wanted I wanted to see from Bradley what 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 he remembered happened during yeah. this. Yeah, 
I think I think there was some audio. Uh, obviously, there was some kind of audio problem. Uh, I I want to say it was just like the back of the building or something because I remember that I could hear what he was playing because I was again I was only within the first you know twenty rows or whatever. But then I and then I'm pretty sure what happened was just like the speakers in the back or something like kicked on and I think it was like or the upper bowl or something. Somebody like a, a second set. Of fans, all of a sudden were able to hear, and they started roaring with applause. And I think that's kind of what had happened. Okay, that's interesting. So, but it's funny. It's just like it's a shake. It's a shaky start, and it's almost like they start a song and nobody's listening to it. And then all of a sudden, the jukebox comes on midway through, and it it sounds like everybody's legitimately happy to sing along. And and somewhere in there, Eddie stops completely and just listens to them sing and which i and thought that, was awesome. that's where i want to interject uh eddie does not stop to let them sing there's a few times it sounds like eddie full out just forgets the words and he stops <laughs> singing because he doesn't know what to sing and the crowd takes over it's i don't think it's this thing where he's letting them sing back that's why i said this is really rough he he's kind of just all over the place on it and i wasn't picking up on an audio problem I was picking up on 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 a, simply a shaky start, and a hesitation problem. Yeah, I I thought um, I, I mean I thought it was it was fine because th- there there is something sort of charming to forgetting some words like that, and then you can let the crowd sing. Um, but I'm not going to say it wasn't rough because it was it was pretty rough. To quote Bob Ross, was it a happy accident? Oh, uh, I don't think you could pick a better song to have an accident like this happen in to be honest if, if, <laughs> if you're going to forget lyrics to a song especially an opener which i still i still do like it here um because of moline um i don't think there's a better song to have that happen in so absolutely a, hap- a happy accident for sure well you remember a lot of people criticizing us in our first ever episode and i think a lot of that criticism came from when we pointed out that eddie completely fucked up the lyrics uh to the pre-chorus where he was saying i've changed by not changing at all instead of uh uh all these changes taking place yeah i I mean i I didn't think that was that that big of a deal uh no but we pointed it out and i think it to some people some people thought it was a little too critical that's what i'm trying to say mad at us for pointing out that he messes up the lyrics in a song that's kind of the point of the podcast where we we have have to bring that kind of stuff up so um i I, i'm pleasantly surprised at myself because obviously we've talked about both these songs enough in this show where i've had my good things to say about them and in spots where i like them and i've had my bad things to say about them but um knowing that given a fly is next what do you think my reaction is going to be matt i see i i I don't (laughs) know because i i i was assuming that that this was the spot where you liked it to get get it out of the way and it's a it's a good build Matt, i fucking love this combo you do this combo is awesome okay because i don't i, I, I don't really know where like this came too. from though i this is this is not me this i i've never liked elderly woman as an opener if i would have would have seen elderly woman in a given a fly open live probably a year or two ago i probably would have been like god ah, no thanks but you know what i like it better here than in the middle of a set because it, it's given a fly it, it's versatile 
in a way where you can play it in certain spots and have it be kind of your cool down or kind of your pump back up. But I like it when it pump is a pump back up and not used for a cool down. I think that's my problem. with. Yeah. So and Bradley, uh, I'm sure you're aware of Randy's feelings about giving a fly. So what's what's your I've listened to all the shows. (laughs) What's your take on on this spot? No, I, I agree with you guys. I think that um, I think having it here works really well because I always think of Given the Fly as like it's a song that kind of the crowd gets excited for. You know, even um, you know, even some of the we'll say like non diehard fans, just the casual fans, tend to get excited with Given the Fly because it's a song they recognize. And opening with like a campfire sing along type song kind of already sets the stage, gets the crowd into it, and then having another song that kind of ramps up the momentum. And you know brings more energy. I think works really well, especially for what it's what it leads into in the next couple songs. And so I I think it worked really well here. Right. I, I yeah. Agree. That's I think a, a lot of positive energy to start with. I think it's two songs that are very catchy and very much sing along songs. Um, I got you know we argued all weekend with with John Farrar who um, uh, got on our case for hating songs, which wasn't. The case half, half it was half true and half not true. I don't hate giving a fly. I love it when John emails us stuff like that because it's so <laughs> it's so fun to talk about this stuff with him because uh, I like his uh, I like his opinion uh, on the stuff that we talk about. So John, he's, listen, he's John, just busting our balls. John, for the most we part. we love it. Keep him coming. Yeah, seriously, he's gonna have something on this show. He is something on every show, but um, he's just busting our balls. It's it's funny. <laughs> Um, but I can't look, look, you want, you want me to prove that, that I like giving a fly as a song. That's, that's the groomsman song that we're walking out to at, at my wedding. There you go. Oh, very cool. Nah, uh, the vitamin string quartet version. Yes. Not the, uh, not Pearl Jam, but we're going to be walking out to that. So if that doesn't, if that says I like the song, I think I've freaking proved myself, John. I like the damn song. I just don't like it in certain spots live. Okay. Um, now we're like at the point, you know, we, we've gotten almost the, that campfire that, you know, slow build and we're at the new avocado songs that are going to start up here and start with worldwide suicide. Now I would think that this is part of the problem for a lot of those people that are up front, that they're hearing this in, in around the same spot every night. Right. So here's where the problem lies with worldwide suicide. I, 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 it's not like an overall problem. It's part of the situation that we were talking about before with the fans in front. Now, it seems like that they were using this song around this spot almost every show in this tour, either if it was in the three hole sometimes opening with it. Um, but whatever it was, it, it was early and it kind of reminds me of, what they did with uh, Pendulum and Mind Your Manners in, at the Lightning Ball Tour, where they were always, no matter what, they almost always opened up with Pendulum, and then Mind Your Manners would be like right after Corduroy or something like that. So yeah. it was kind of, it was predictable in a way, and I understand the frustration from those people that are, are paying good money and traveling, but um, there's... That's no reason not to have energy. Oh yeah, I agree with that. I I know that like um like all the shows previous to this, like you mentioned, Worldwide Suicide was one of the first few songs, and same thing with Life Wasted and everything. And um and as we talked about uh, yesterday, 
uh, when we chatted a little bit. Uh, like, I, you know, it's no reason not to get excited for the show. I mean, I like variety as much as the next guy. I think that's one of the, you know, obviously there wouldn't be much of, of your podcast if there wasn't a variety all the time. But um, Of course, yeah. But, yeah, I think that uh, that, that might have been something that rubs some fans the wrong way, seeing the, them open the show with the same three or four songs every time kind of, you know, irked some people. But uh, but I don't know. They played them well, and they were supporting the album. So, I, you know, I don't I don't blame them for, you know, wanting to get the, you know, get them get some uh, get some plays under their belt with them I I agree with that too I think it's completely acceptable I understand if it's brand new and people are I, I don't know if I'd say sick of hearing it if they're following them around and they're can you know they, they keep playing it in that spot but kind of at the same time what do you expect uh, and this is going to come back into play too when we get a little bit further in the set about a point that I wanted to make about all these songs being played here anyway but I don't think it's anything out of the ordinary or strange or different. I think a lot of bands do this. It's, I think it's a good spot for it. And I thought it sounded really good. Jeff had a little bit of a, a cringe note right in the beginning that stood out to me as a bass player. But uh, besides that, I thought it sounded really good. And, and I liked the spot a lot. I thought it sounded fantastic. I thought Matt was on point with his backup vocals. And I think Matt was, yes. was possibly the best of Matt's backup vocals in this whole entire show that I've heard in a long time. I feel like this was a really strong backup show for, for a MFC over there. I, I agree <laughs> with you, but to, uh, to jump ahead here to, to now life wasted. Um, I thought his backups were really bad. I thought the whole song sounded almost overly enthusiastic. Like they got a little bit too excited and it started <laughs> to kind of go off the rails a little bit, if that makes sense. Um, all of a sudden, his vocals were like double the volume as well. And it, it just made it sound like the song was starting to get away from them a little bit. You notice that at the end. Yeah. It sounds like at the end that they were, it was almost like you were going too fast in the car. You were going like 80 miles from an hour. And then all of a sudden you saw a red light and you had to completely put on the on the brakes. A little bit. That's how I felt with, with uh, Life Wasted here. Yeah. I Look, I thought this pace to, to start the show was awesome. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. You it, know, I'm I'm never going to get overly uh, critical for them having too much energy. I think, I don't, well, you know, you know, no, neither will I like the, the classic case with even flow. Is it too fast? Uh, you know, that's a, sure. that's the age old question now, but too fast and too much energy is, is it, it's a totally different thing though. Exactly. So, They're, but, but, it's, but it's, sometimes with too much energy, like with this life wasted, I felt like if it, if they had just taken it up one more notch, I think this song could have been a train wreck. It was right on the edge there. I thought it was very close to going off the tracks. Brad, what do you, what do you, what do you think about what Matt's saying here? Do you think they almost went off the tracks or what? Um, I thought it was fine. I, I didn't really, uh, you know, when I re-listened to the show, I, I was driving, so I didn't get to, you know, focus, you know, super intently on, uh, you know, every little part, but I thought it sounded fine. I didn't, I didn't think it was, uh, you know, overly great, but I didn't think it was all that bad either. I thought it was, uh, you know, it was fine. In hindsight, I love it. And I was about to say with, with, uh, worldwide suicide, uh, I don't know if it's Poison, White Snake, Rat, whoever had the fucking song. Don't know what you got till it's gone because they haven't played Worldwide Suicide since 2014. <laughs> oh wow! So yeah, 
Yeah, you don't like world. You didn't like worldwide suicide back then. Well, guess what? You ain't getting it no more. Yep, that's that's right. it. And they didn't do life wasted until the last Boston show. Oh wow! So you know they were they were almost not doing any avocado songs during the whole entire tour this year. So, um, either you love it, you hate it, and you know think back in hindsight, and it's really not too bad because it's not. A common thing anymore it, it, you know I, yeah. I look at the show from 2018's perspective because it's hard for me to think in 2006 so I like it and I like avocado that's, that's yeah. easy to say yeah I was never the biggest fan of worldwide suicide but like yeah you said in in hindsight I would you know welcome it in a show that I was going to again because I you know it's been a while since I've seen it and and, sure. um, and it's still a good song I didn't dislike the song but it was um but uh but yeah, it was just you know again like I, like you said, I it'd be cool to see again. And I just want to uh, give a, a warning, just to bear with me if I seem a little critical about some of these songs because you know how much I love avocado. So I think that's why I was really listening to these songs okay. uh, super hard and really I, I wasn't trying to pick them apart. It was kind of coming more naturally, I guess, just because. Uh, uh, I, I love the album. Actually, I today when I was out, I I had to listen to the album again just to uh, just to hear the studio version. It had been it, well, it, it, it had been a couple up weeks. There. <laughs> just injecting all that. I needed shit the fix. Yeah, needed the fix. Um, middle of life wasted and severed hand. The fans are chanting something. It sounds like Ghost Stone, but I have no idea what they were chanting. Anything, Brad? Uh, no, I don't remember. I couldn't remember what they were saying or anything. And yeah, when I listened I'm, to it, I couldn't hear. It sounded like a no, soccer hooligan chant or something, you know? Like yeah, a, but it's Grand Rapids. They're like, what, what do they have to root for? Well, I, exactly. But you know what I wrote down? I actually wrote down on my note. I said, before Severed, the crowd is on fire and ready to go. And you could really hear it in that transition. They're, for sure. They're I, geared up. Maybe I just made fun of Grand Rapids a little bit. And then for the Grand Rapids people listening, I'll, I will say this. You guys fucking brought it. You brought it this night um yeah this grand rapid show sounded like it could have easily been held in chicago new york philly any of those strong uh cities that are you know boston london amsterdam go on and on and on this oh sure you would never if i blindly put a bootleg on and you were like whoa what is this you would never have guessed grand rapid so right um, i would have said like it was a Wrigley show or something. Sure. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's up there with the energy. Um, Severed hand coming up next, uh, you know, just early avocado getting stuffed in there. And I do want to play cause I want to talk about it. Uh, oh, good. I, 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 I was hoping you'd want to play this one. Yeah. It's, it's important to play it because the way that we hear it here is the album version. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wrote on my notes. I said, this is exactly how you want the song to sound. Okay. All right, uh, then let's play and let's let's let everybody determine for themselves whether, whether they like this or the other version.
so you prefer this version that like i don't know what mike is really doing with his guitar it sounds like almost violinish in mike, a way mike is killing it eddie's killing it this is the song where i said uh cameron's vocals are super tight focused completely the opposite of life wasted this is this is perfection this song live this is exactly how i would want to hear it so Okay, just just so people are you know on board with what we're saying here. So there was that intro that you heard, and that's exactly what they did on the album. And then there's the intro that they do now, and it's kind of like, just you know, kind of put a put a sound in your head there. You kind of just sang exactly what was on the album, though, too. Well, no, but they never did that. That like that beginning. That like it's kind of like this muffled like distortion yeah, it's I'm like not a, sure what it, he he kind of palm mutes it a little bit more right and then in the background it kind of dissolves into the dun 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 instead of and keeping up that like part whatever you want to say I, you know? yeah uh, I, I i wasn't really taking into consideration the intro at all really the rest of the song okay. is just absolutely wonderfully played and uh i i freaking love this one loved it so this would be the version that in our live set that we created a couple weeks ago this would be the version that would be yeah yeah i mean it's 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 brand new and and they have a real grasp on it which sometimes bands will go out and they'll play some songs that are brand new and it's even pearl jam we've heard it a couple times and they won't bring it back or they'll stop doing it or whatever uh they had a grasp on this one and they, they killed it. They did. They did. I, I really, really like this version. And um, because I'm so used to the live version that they do now, I almost didn't recognize what they were doing at first. Hmm. Which is funny because it's the fucking Alvin version that should be the one <laughs> that I should know more than the live version. Right. So. That's, yeah, it's funny how that works out though, right? Let's get another. Let's get another take into this. Uh, what what version do you prefer, Brad? Uh, I actually like this version, uh, you know, better than the the newer ones too. I like I do like that intro a whole lot. Uh, like you said, it's kind of you know when you hear the album, that's that's kind of how you, or at least for for me, anyways. Most of the time, I'm hearing a song for the first time. It's the album version or the studio version. So that's kind of how I learn the song or think of the song. And so you know, hearing it just like that live is you know kind of what you want to hear because i you know loved it on the album and and then when they kind of did the same thing live it was uh it was really cool yeah well that's what i always liked about avocado is because it was such a it was such a garage band album that a lot of these songs translate so well live especially when they were you know brand new and 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 they weren't changing keys like they do now Uh, right so it's kind of just a testament to the album that that uh, the whole thing was, I thought, planned out really well. They, they said we could do all these live if if we had to or if we wanted to, and I think uh, yeah. versions uh, of severed hands like this uh, uh, kind of proves that point to to me at least to an avocado lover. Well, hot 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 take here, guys. Oh, hot take. If hot take, <laughs> um, if you were to reorganize avocado would you do worldwide suicide in the life ways of the inner severed hand because i think i like this order better than the album order maybe uh, it's something that just works live but i like this 
there's a lot I think I would do with the order on avocado, uh, and it's not just one thing. I think I could rearrange that album a hundred different ways that that would work maybe better than than the final. You know, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, yeah. Like I, I, I always think that comatose could work really well after parachutes and then comatose can go into big wave and then unemployable can go on the next lost dogs album. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I think, yeah, I was going to say with the, the studio version with that intro, I think it would be a cool album opener. I think uh, that, you know, not that it doesn't work, you know, after a worldwide suicide and life wasted or where its current spot is after comatose. I think that with that intro that it kind of would make for a cool album opener. I absolutely, well, that, I absolutely agree that I, I think it could open up, open up with that, and then do, life wasted worldwide, worldwide life wasted. I, I, yeah, I want to hear that. I, there are a lot of, th- there are a lot of versions of this that I would not be disappointed with either. Right. Any of these, I, I think, I mean, there, there are a bunch of shows this tour that they open with severed hand, uh, uh, including the Imogene and Cor- Cornish show, um, or DVD, I should say. Uh, where they started that DVD with Severed Hand, which I believe opened up whatever show that snippet was from. So, yeah, in fact, you're, uh, you're not off base. Yeah, the the previous show, the Chicago show, uh, the one right before this, they opened the show with Severed Hand. So, there you go. Yep. Yeah. There you go. So we're keeping up pace and energy here in a spot where you're five songs in. You would. Uh, you know, usually look to the crowd and say hello, good evening, but they're going right into sad, and I think it's it's a perfect song to keep that pace up and 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 keep the energy exactly where it needs to be. Uh, I disagree. I don't like this spot, and I thought it sounded really good. Um, but I I'm not loving the spot, but performed well. I I you know I can't can't say it didn't sound great because it sounded great. Yeah. Uh, this was my first time seeing it, so I was just happy to see it. Yeah, um, exactly. I think it was. Uh, I would feel that you know, way too. Yeah, it was. It was a cool. You know, I really. I think it fits okay in this placement. Uh, it probably could have fit better elsewhere, but I didn't mind its place here. You know, I I see. Sad has a little bit of a Swiss Army knife uh, type feel to it, where. I think this worked here for me. I also think it could work after something like even flow or into something like even flow, which is, you know, a couple songs away here. Mm-hmm. But I think we, we talked about this with, with Dave on the, on the Vic show that we did. Uh, this is sad, sweet spot, you know, the first six or seven songs in. Right. For, for, for me, it always depends on what comes before, what, be, what comes before, what comes after uh, um, a song. And I think sad is, is definitely a song that is judged by what comes before and what comes after it. So this one stuck out a little bit to me as being a little odd. Uh, but uh, again, it sounded good. So I, I, I really can't complain. Well, what, what it's funny that you mentioned that. Cause I think that the next song is one of the toughest songs that I can think of to implement in a set just because I absolutely agree. Just because, and it has nothing to do with the song because I actually think it's it's one of the unsung heroes of Avocado for me. I, I love the freaking song. Absolutely but Marker agree. In the, Marker in the Sand is such a tough song to to place in a set because I, it almost needs to go in like an elderly woman spot, but not be a cool down. It needs to go kind of like they need to 
tee it up. They need to say hi to the crowd and then say, here's Marker and San and kind of almost hit a refresh button a little bit. But this is this is more of keeping pace. And, and it's fine. I think this version was really good. But yeah, yeah. Uh, keep going. Sorry. No, I, I'm just I'm just saying. Like on on paper, I I can't remember exactly what my thought uh, going from Severhand to Sad to Marker to Sand is. But from on paper, I can't envision what Sad transitioning into Marker and Sand really sounds like. I it just kind of it doesn't feel like it would flow. But I had no problem with it when I was listening to it. I think you're gonna have that problem with marker in the sand anywhere you put it you're going to have trouble hearing it and picturing it that way because it's a really it's a beautiful song it's just a tough song to to place um i really loved uh the you know uh their the the way they worked around the fade out they ended it on a note uh the very last note and it was musically very pleasing to the ear it was fantastic i rewound it a few times and i also noticed that when they when they got done with it it sounded like the crowd loved it which i really liked because well well uh, yeah since no since you since you're talking about i i i would like to play it because you know as much as we can can we play that outro and then kind of get absolutely uh, the outro that that the note they end on and a little bit of the crowd reaction Oh, absolutely. I, I think that I, I kind of like to do whenever we uh, debut a song on, on the show. I think this is this is definitely the first time that we've debuted uh, Marker in the Sand. Uh, we like to play it to just kind of get things feeling fresh and, and easily because this is an avocado so- show. You need avocado songs to be played throughout. So, yeah, why don't we do that? Why don't we play this ending here that you really like? Yeah, and then when we come back. I'm going to tell you something that's going to tie back into the beginning of the episode, what we were talking about, some stuff. Um, okay. And I'm going to tell you uh, something that I don't really like about this, uh, but it's not what you think. So let's play it and then we'll come back to it. That's one hell of a tease there, kid. <laughs> <laughs>
so yeah, I mean, I, I thought that sounded great. And it's, it's kind of like what you said, Bradley, about sad. It's tough to place, but happy to get it. You know, it's one of oh, those Oh, sure, you're sure. I, yeah, I feel, like, I feel like Marker in the Sand fits maybe better after a slower song because uh, I, don't, I just feel like it might fit better there. But uh, I sure. agree with what you guys were saying about how much you like it. I know the first few times I listened to the album when it was new, I think it was my favorite song upon the first few listens. So. Yeah, me too, definitely. So um, what I wanted to say, I, I had to stop listening to this and I had to write down my notes because something was really uh, sticking out to me. I realized, unless it's an album show, I'm not really crazy about all these avocado songs put together like this, um, with just a few others breaking it up. Uh, I it know is kind of like guacamole, isn't it? it it's just, it's kind, you're just kind of mashing it. So I like, no, I like that. That was good. So, um, so there's a couple songs breaking it up, but. Um, for some reason, it wasn't it, it wasn't feeling right. It was feeling almost forced. And the reason I say that is because we've done other shows where they're supporting albums, and they don't hit nearly as many songs off of those albums yep. as they That's did really with Avocado point. in a whole show, let alone by song number seven. And not right. only that, but there are you there's like songs, there's yeah. like three or four more avo- Avocado songs still to come. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I think that, and and maybe that kind of ties back into uh, earlier shows and why those fans were not really feeling the energy. Because I say this with uh, some of those lightning bolt tours, uh, tour shows that I went to. You know, they would get in the middle of the set and they would do sirens, and then they would do infallible, and then they would do uh, like swallowed whole or let the records play. And those are I just. I just not really into those songs, especially I don't really like Sirens live. Right. Um, but I, I just I got nothing on Infallible. I got almost nothing on on Let the Records Play. So you're playing all these songs that you're not. You know, when you listen to Avocado now, uh, twelve years later, you're more familiar with the songs and you know the lyrics by heart and you kind of can appreciate little things that are in the songs that you might not have appreciated 12 years ago. Um, but now it's, everything is, is, is fresh. And I think they're, they're just, they're putting too much emphasis on it early and they're, they're almost trying to sell you a CD. Right. And I think my thought process on this is that it might sound like I'm contradicting myself because I love avocado in 2006, seeing this set list would probably be the highest point of like my Pearl Jam <laughs> show career. But if I were to see this set now, I, it's almost like it's taking the surprise out of getting avocado songs. I, I would take this yeah. set, but I would need it jumbled up and rearranged, is, I think is what I'm trying to say, because... It's so, a totally it's, fair point. It's so mm-hmm. avocado heavy up front, and I, I couldn't believe it when I was listening to it. And I'm saying to myself, I'm, I said, "This isn't a full album show. This does not. This doesn't feel good." And I, and I cried a little bit, and uh, <laughs> I had to collect my my thoughts. Especially uh, not only that, but it's not like they're not intertwining a. De- this is side A stuff. This right. is all. 
you know, four of the first five songs off the album, and then Comatose comes way later. But like, along with others it, too, yeah, yeah, still have and, more. And you're just you're mixing it up just enough to be a little different. But I I get what I totally I get what you're saying, and I I I was looking at it in hindsight and seeing that we don't cover a lot of these songs in the same show because we haven't done an avocado show like this before. Uh, I was excited to hear all this, but it's, it's a great point to bring up not just in hindsight, but even back then as well to kind of gauge where some people's head heads would be at. Right. And and it does make me feel good as an avocado fan, because I feel like if they were saturating set lists with avocado like this, that they really believed in the album and they really, they really liked it. And maybe it came from, some were really personal to them, and it it absolutely sounds like that. The recordings sound like it was like done in a garage. Like they they were really into it, and they they really connected with the album. And I know a lot of people don't really like Avocado, but I do. So it, it was a little bit of a of a validation. Like I think these guys really liked it too. So that made me feel pretty good because, like I said, we've done shows that they're supporting an album with, and they'll do three three songs maybe you know right and we have the yield we show have, that we did last week was i mean yeah they didn't do much yield on that right. the whole yield tour we we talk about it all the time like low light wasn't even played till 2001 they right. never do push me pull me or yeah no way it's not played very often right never almost never no way almost never pilot so uh yeah a lot different feel maybe i maybe they were just really at this time loving the because i i feel like the band at this time loved avocado more than say in the binaural era went loving the binaural songs and the binaural album i could be wrong well i i think uh they went through a phase with binaural and, and riot act and they had to kind of get it out of their system and and i think i think with avocado i think they just had a lot of fun and they were having a lot of fun at shows and yeah, I mean that's yep. that's 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 what I that's my opinion. Again, we could be we could all be completely dead wrong, but I agree with what you guys are saying about the bunching at the beginning because I just kind of look at it as suppose you know you you went to the show but were not a fan of that album but loved everything else. I could see this kind of taking you out of the show. Um, you know, four songs or or whatever in the first seven from maybe an album that you didn't like. I could see, you know, it, it would kind of be a bummer if you were at the show and you didn't like the album. But uh, uh, so I agree with what you guys are saying. It does feel very front loaded and everything. So, yeah, but the crowd still seems like they are happy to be there. So. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I, I know I was, but yeah, I, you know, I can't yeah. speak for everybody there. But it was, still, you know, still a great time and everything. And, and I think a lot of it's just the band had so much energy, too. It's just, you know, you know, the crowd fed off the band and the band fed off the crowd. Um, I, 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 Red Mosquito is one of those really rare songs that I have almost nothing to say on, but it's not like with Daughter where I have nothing to say, I'm bored with it. It's like Red Mosquito is almost perfect every time I hear it. I have nothing to say about Red Mosquito. I, I feel exactly the same way. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm my notes. The only thing I wrote down was this is a song I could see at every show. Cause I, I just, I love it. And like you, you guys said, this, they rarely, um, you know, to have a bad version of it, and it's I'm, I, this one was no different. This one was a, a good version, and a, they they played it well. And you know, I, I'm glad to hear it when I can. I agree completely. Yeah, that's 100. percent Like I I I love when, and this is Red Mosquito is a perfect exa- example of this. Um, 
I saw it for the first time at one of the PJ20 shows and then hadn't seen it, hadn't really thought about like going to a show and saying, man, I really wish they would play Red Mosquito. And then when we, we did our top five songs that we want to hear that we had heard before and top five songs that we wanted to hear that we ha- haven't heard before. Remember we did that before Fenway? Yep. Red Mosquito was really high on my top songs that I I had heard that I want to hear again. And I think it was the only song on either list that, that got hit in either show. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah, I was I was very thr- I was thrilled to hear that again. Did I pick? Um, uh, I think I. It, I think I put Green Disease on mine, right? I put Green Disease on mine too. I'm, uh, yeah, is that's one you guys have never seen before. Or that's one you wanted to see again. I've never seen it. Ah, okay. Yeah, Riot Riot Act. Next week is a Riot Act show. We'll really, really dig into Riot Act next week. Um, Even Flow is next though in the sweet spot. Um, I so. Here's the thing, the the bathroom break mantra that gets put on even flow um, can tend, you know, it, 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 it has a tendency to feel like it might be a lull in the set just because it's being overplayed. But when you listen to it and you listen to how the set is constructed, I really feel like this is fitting in perfectly with all the other songs, nine songs in and everything gels together smooth, perfect. Uh I thought the tempo on this was fantastic. I, I yeah, I really enjoyed this even flow. Uh, hey. Yeah, I just that's um, I would agree. I mean, I, 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 you know, I don't usually use this as like you said the bathroom break um, time or whatever. I stay and watch it. I've seen it tons of times, but I still they I always you know put on a good show with it. So you know I you know um, usually if, if I go to a show and they don't play it, it's usually because they're they're doing something else or it's there's some reason. It's kind of exciting. Wow, we went to a show and they didn't play even flow. But uh, but I'm never upset to see it live. Yeah, and you know we we always talk about the bathroom break, and uh, I think when it gets down to it. Uh, we're not going to go to the bathroom when it comes up. It's just one of those things you say. Right. But here's here's the thing. Here's the thing that I've done at shows before. Um, if it's like eight or nine songs in, they haven't they haven't talked yet, by the way. We haven't mentioned that. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, and you kind of, the energy's up and you're really pumped up and even flow hits. You can kind of say, okay, maybe I need a second to just stop dancing as hard. Maybe kind of like sit on the the top of the chair for two seconds just to get a little bit of a breather. But here I don't want that breather. I'm still into it. Oh yeah. As long as you don't sit next to the guy that Who went there just for even flow. Yeah. That right. hasn't responded to any other song. And then once even flow hits, it goes, Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. This is another song. Even flow. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> so, that's Mr. Mackey. That's that's how Mr. Mackey would see Pearl Jam. <laughs> like, oh, evil plum. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, here I want to play uh, Ed talking to the crowd here. Let's start from the beginning. The crowd, it's the first time they get to take a breath. Ed's going to talk. And he, uh, let's just play it from there and play the whole response before he introduces boom. So let's, let's hear, let's hear the crowd and really get the picture of what was going on this night. 
What I'm about to say, I don't say lightly. Uh, you are turning out to be a hell of a crowd. So that goes to show you right there how freaking passionate this crowd was. Um, and I mean, Brad, obviously you were there, but I, the only thing that I can compare it to in all the shows that I've been to, surprisingly enough, Hartford in 2013, they ran through about like seven songs in a row and it was just, it was on point. It was perfect. And the crowd gave this amazing standing ovation to the point where Ed did the thing where he goes up to the mic a couple of times and then it got louder once he went up to the mic. And that's what this felt like here. Yeah, exactly like you put it. It was just, they had just so much energy and they just, you know, kept, you know, ripped them off one after another. And most of them were very high energy songs. So as I said before, you know, the crowd gave it right back to them when they, they, and they gave it to the crowd and it was just tons of energy and, um, you know, and, I just remember, I mean, I don't remember this exact moment being there, but I mean, you know, um, but I just remember just being into it like the entire time and, uh, and loving every minute of it. Those moments, they're ones that you can hear on the bootlegs. There's, they're not ones that you can get back. You can have them kind of lingering in your mind. And, you know, when you're old, you can kind of get that, you know, uh, who knows what's going to happen in 40 years when we're looking back on Pearl Jam shows, but shit, like that's going to be, one of those things, those kind of moments where I'm like, I want to be back in that place. 40 yeah. years from now, I don't think we'll be in that place, unfortunately, but you know, there's always cover bands. Right, um, right. So Ed introduces Boom after this, and he says he looks like he's standing behind a portable bar and says the next song they wrote together in a faraway place where anything seemed possible. And that, my friends, is Love Boat Captain. I believe this is the only song that Boom has a writing credit on. Mm. Uh, I, I, to my knowledge, I think that's correct. Okay, yeah, because I, I don't even think he played on Avocado. I think it was all Brendan O'Brien that played on like Avocado and Backspacer. I, I'm, I know Brendan O'Brien did the the keyboards in. Uh... Um, future days. For future, future days. So, yeah, because he did it at Wrigley. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but man, boom, boom is so overlooked. I hate when people, you know, create their own graphics and create their own art with Pearl Jam and, and it's the five of them without boom. I'm like, you motherfucker. Yeah. No, boom yeah. He's a member of the fucking band. Yeah. I, I think he adds a, a great element to the, to, especially the, like the live shows and stuff. Cause you know, even now he'll play, you know, we'll talk about it later, but he, you know, ever since he's been playing on crazy Mary, it, 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 you know, makes that song you know, that much better too. I think he does really well on that one. I don't agree when people say he's not a member of the band because he's very obviously a member, but my thought on boom was that he was 
like I mentioned to you before, he's kind of like the Beatles' Billy Preston. Like, mm. he's there, and he's playing, and he's he's playing with the band, but I understand... But he's not sexy? <laughs> I think Boom is a, a very I attractive I think Boom man. is sexy, yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're to the point where we wanted to make a, sh- a shirt with just Boom's face on it. Uh, I'm into it. <laughs> Doesn't Green Day have a second guitarist when they do live stuff? So yeah, that's actually, I was just going to bring that up, too. Is uh, yeah, Green Day has a guy, I think Mike White or Peter White or something. I think his last name is White or Jason White, maybe, or something. Right. And I know he plays, he, yeah, he plays guitar with them when they, uh, when they play. I think it's just so maybe Billy Joe could focus on the singing parts and stuff like that. Isn't Pete Townsend's brother the rhythm guitar player in The Who also? All I know about Pete Townsend's brother is that he voiced Pete Townsend on The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, because Pete, apparently Pete didn't, didn't care to do it or didn't like the money that he was being offered. So it was Pete Townsend's brother that, that uh, voiced Pete. Um, oh, I'll be damned. You must have super high standards to be turning down Simpsons money. i think at this point simpsons were probably this is like right when it got bad by the way i can start my own simpsons podcast and probably it could it could be the same thing i I, oh yeah i could consider it well well, i'd like to be a guest on that one too so (laughs) fuck if you want to host with me we're in (laughs) just do a episode a day like who knows I, i got i got so much on that but not a simpsons podcast not a Simpsons podcast. <laughs> um, so back to Love Boat, Captain. Yes. Yeah. Um, this was a good cool down and from a killer start. And I think it, it kind of sets the tone for the next stuff. Uh, one of the things I will mention that I noticed uh, Ed sings in the beginning, he says, uh, let the show begin. And that just reminded me of what he did during the garden DVD that, and that's right. like one of the thing, it, it just, that, that moment when he listening to that, cause that was really, I credit that garden DVD for my obsession start, like really starting the obsession. Um, and when he sings, let the show begin and the crowd roars during that part, I always get goosebumps during that. So it kind of, it doesn't have the same feel to it because they're not opening with it here, but <laughs> right. It kind of bring brings you back. Yeah, it brings you back to it. I will say it makes more sense if it's one of the first couple songs, but it's it's still cool that they you know that he said it like that. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think Ed is just you know Ed gets into his mindset sometimes where he's just kind of like I, I feel like he does that with Dissident at the end where he doesn't sing that last part where he's just like ah, whatever with this, I, I can do whatever I want with it, and, and it's okay. I think I think the same thing with, with that sometimes. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I just wanted something? to say, uh, with Love Boat and, and Corduroy, I wasn't thrilled with the spot because of the reasons we just said, but uh, they do really go well together because it, it feels like a mid-set set opener. So it's like you get a set opener all over again. Yeah, I agree. That I actually wrote that down too in my notes. That it, exactly, it feels like it's like it's a perfect transition to the the next stage of the show kind of thing. Yeah, it's exactly what I said here. Uh, my first thing was I said, "And we're back!" Like it, it's exactly it, it, it's preparing you for a second set within a first set. And um, you know, we we've talked about all different spots for corduroy and all different types of how corduroy has been played here and there, but. Man, this this was an awesome, energetic corduroy. Uh, yep. 
<laughs> unlike some that we've heard lately, Matt. Yeah, this uh, this kicked ass. Uh, I, and um, sorry, I didn't even say. I thought Love Boat Captain sounded really, really great too. Two really great performances with two songs that go really well together in a weird spot, but it strangely kind of brings things back around. Uh, I think, and, and, I think and Quarter... it works really well after Even Flow too. So uh, no complaints here. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Look, mid-set corduroy is something, it's it's a little different, and you don't get it all the time, and I think... Well, you know, you know I don't like that. It needs to be in a special moment where the crowd is feeling, uh, where the band is feeling the crowd's energy, and I think this was a perfect example of that, where exactly. the crowd wasn't going to stop. Uh, right. Well, because it's it's two songs that have great examples, lyrically, why it makes them such great one and two spot songs in the set. So if you could still put them together but have it work mid set, it's it's a a wonderful thing and it and it uh, they nailed it. Yeah, I, and you know what? I'm going to surprise you here. So Corduroy goes into well, Ed says this next one is for called The Wreck of Edmund Fitzgerald. <laughs> yeah. Which I I don't get that reference, and I feel stupid for not getting that reference. I, you know what? And I didn't look it up. I didn't get it either. But the crowd loved it. Yeah. I Is it a Grand Rapids thing or what? I want to say if I, – I didn't look it up either. I meant to look it up, and I forgot. But I want to say that it might have been a boat that sunk in Lake Michigan at some point. Okay. Um, uh, but I, I, I could be completely wrong on that one. I, I That could – I could be, you know, mixing up stories or something, but I thought that had something to do with it. Because so, from, okay. from the crowd reaction, I thought to myself, I was like, oh, it must be a regional thing. Because I, yeah. I don't get the reference. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, they, they do all that shit all the time. If they go to Canada, they have to be like, oh, this one is for all you Senators fans out there. Exactly, you know, but that's... sometimes Eddie does those dad jokes that are dumb and kind of fall flat. At least this one got a rise, and I'm like, all right, I don't right. get it, but it worked. <laughs> So Edmund Fitzgerald is, is daughter, and um, we've had a lot and a little to say about daughter, both a lot meaning, you know, very little, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, we've had a lot to say about how little we have to say about it, and that, that's maybe just me. But, however, the last show that we did, the MSG show from last week, right. we talked a lot about the momentum of that show and how the momentum would just drop off and fall completely flat after one or two songs of really feeling energetic. And with this daughter, I really felt like the mo- it, it would have taken a lot to derail this momentum that they were on. And even for me, and even as many times as we can cover daughter on the show, it'll happen 50,000 more times. However many years we do this podcast, we're never going to stop covering it. Daughter could not derail this momentum that they were on. Uh, uh, 100% agree. And when I was going through the bootleg and I saw that Daughter was coming up after Corduroy, I said to myself, oh, no. Like, this was a this is a good spot where they were able to, like I said, do a set opener all over again and, and basically restart it. Uh, but this Daughter was, it kicked ass and it sounded great after Corduroy. Maybe that's just it. Uh, I just... It needs to have momentum going into Daughter for me to care about Daughter. It felt like there was energy. Sometimes with Daughter, it just feels like it's kind of alone, listless, you know? I think if this Daughter was after <laughs> Love Boat Captain, it might have been a little sleepy. Sure. But yeah, it sure. came after Corduroy, That's and it went, it went right into it. It was great. Yeah, yeah, I agree with Matt. I, like, seeing it on 
paper, it looks like it wouldn't work at all. Because you would think that you know, normally after Corduroy, you want another very high tempo or high energy song. But yeah, I agree. It, it worked here. I'm looking at the set like typed out right now. And yeah, me too. Love Boat Captain Corduroy Daughter, it looks horrible. Yeah, it, Corduroy just looks a like it was wedged in there. Extremely out of place. It looks like nothing you ever want, but this sounded really good. Yeah, I completely can't can't disagree with that at all. Um, I'm sure the next episode I'll go back to being displeased by daughter, but let's just take <laughs> this as a moment in time and, and capture it in a little bubble and, and, and float that little bubble up, up in the air, and, and whenever it pops, it pops. So... Um, tags on this uh it was a lot i wrote down it was a long tag here with a little blitzkrieg bop snippet uh and then he says hey joe go home who's who's joe and what and why does he need to go home is that is that another regional thing uh i don't um, know i that i was unsure on that also so it meant that might be uh if it was regional that must have been strictly the michigan so Oh, yeah. well, I was thinking later on in the show, they, they talk about the Pistons, who I think are in either the Western Eastern Conference Finals or the NBA Finals. They, they were a good team those years. It's it, it must be the Eastern Conference Finals. And they said that they won and they were going to a game seven. And I wondered, I don't know, is, is Joe somebody was Joe somebody on the team that they were facing? I could be. I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get to we'll get to that. But um then he starts singing "I Believe in Miracles." So, uh, yeah, a little Ramones and all this. It made yeah, for a pretty man. epic tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, overall, really solid performance for Daughter. Yeah. Um, we get a little stoppage in time, and Ed and Jeff said they were talking before the show about the vote for change tour that was in Grand Rapids. I know, Brad, you said you had went to a couple of those shows. I Did went you to go the, to the Toledo Grand? show. I only was able to go to one of them. Okay. I went to the Toledo show. So that was the night before the Grand Rapids show, actually. So we have two out of our three people here went to one show on that tour, and then me sitting here like I went to Fat Fat Mike's uh, fucking uh, Rock Against Bush, Bush tour instead of the... Uh, they were. They said they were trying to figure out the name of the tour because apparently people couldn't figure out if they voted to change things for the better, but things have changed for the worse. That, that's what I wrote. I don't know if Ed was really making sense here, but he says that there are veterans in the crowd of whom they have support and dedicates the next song to them, which is Army Reserve. Um, we are... In the thick of the Iraq war here, um, and I think Army Reserve hits home for a lot of people that have gone, either seen relatives that have gone through that kind of thing, or them themselves that are veterans that have fought for this country have gone through that kind of thing, and I think this song resonates with those people. However, this was the only kind of meh part so far the night that I was just not really into. Right. Uh, I agree. Um, you know that I like the song. My thought on this was, uh, I didn't like it after daughter. Cause you had a, you had a pretty awesome cool down with love boat. Then you had a great corduroy and then daughter kind of comes in and sneakily surprises you with, with a great sing along and a great tag, but then you get a bit of a break and then there's, there's just too much downtime in army reserve before you hit that really awesome 
chorus in the song. Yeah. And it, it, it's just, it's a little bit too much of a, a break there for me. I would have liked to see the song somewhere else in the set. I, I wasn't crazy about it here. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, that's a song that this was, again, another one that I was seeing for the first time. So it was cool to see, but uh, it did feel a little out of place there. And I remember uh, on my initial listens to the album, when the, you know, when the album had just come out, it was one of my least favorite songs on the album. Now mm. I've grown to appreciate it more. But uh, even at the time, it was I wasn't like super into it just because of the fact that it wasn't one of my favorites uh, at the time. Sure. Yeah, I feel I, I think I'm with you on this one. I, I think it's kind of sometimes when you get later into the album, and I felt like this with Avocado for years that you know, you know, one, two, three, it was uh, at the end, Avocado, um, yeah, Army Reserve into Comeback into Inside Job. And on the album, for some reason, and you know, the time, the time frame that I'm really into this album is like, you know, college, like mid you know, junior, sophomore year of college. And I like the fast stuff. I like the hard stuff. I, I'm not, I'm not resonating with the songs that are really deep and, and, uh, and well thought out and well spoken. And I, I guess the end of the album was just after wasted reprise was just a, a big fat meh for me. But after a while, it's some of the best stuff that they've done, to be honest with you. You might've come around to liking those deeper songs faster. If, Avocado was uh, arranged differently. It's if, very true. If they're yeah. sneaking in some of these songs uh, between this, you know, uh, runaway train of a of a side A that that just knocks your socks <sighs> off. If it was arranged differently, they they might have gotten into your head a little a little faster. I can see comeback being in the parachute spot. I can see that army reserve army reserve and and unemployable on that album are really weird fits i don't know why like unemployable i i can't see you know rearranging and i can't see fitting anywhere but (laughs) army reserve you can fit somewhere but it's not in the spot that you feel confident i feel like i guess after reprise is the best but you know again maybe maybe that's just some of me back then speaking and not liking the end of the album back then, but now I, I, I think it's fine. So um, a bit a bit bland in this version, but the energy and passion are still there, which is very important. So um, as we go into a song that has nothing but energy for me, I fucking love this song. Um, I don't think we've covered it yet, Matt. Have we? Uh, I'm sorry. We would know. Uh, uh, green disease. Green disease. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so, because I wrote "Happy to Be Covering It." <laughs> so I <laughs> obviously, okay. obviously, at the time, I I guess I thought that we hadn't. Yeah. Well, we have a riot act show next week. Yeah. And I can't remember off the top of my head if this is in the riot act show, even though ninety percent of the riot act shows they played this. So. Does it make more sense to play this next week or to play this now? So I'm going to say maybe play it next week because okay. um, I, I'm going to compare this to Severed Hand right now in this set. Um, All right. This version of Green Disease is it's falling short of how I want this song to sound live to where Severed Hand is exactly how I wanted it to sound. Uh, this one sounded a little it sounded empty to me. I don't know if you guys felt that way. 
I sound. I thought. I thought Jeff was a little off. I thought Jeff was might have been a little out of tune. There was something. Yeah, yeah. Something was was just off. I, I, yeah, that that was my one. I, I didn't have a lot to say on it, but I, I just. I, I think I, the one line that sticks out to me was something feels a little rough, and that that's that's it. You know, it, it's they haven't lost momentum, but I don't think it felt rough. I was just kind of waiting. I'm like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Where's where is it? And it it it, it just you know, never it hit did me. feel. Yeah, it did feel at the end when uh, Ed is spelling out uh, the letters um, that he was just trying to get through it, like and, and just end it. You know what I'm saying? Instead of like really hitting hitting that part, because I like that part. Yeah, I only wonder if maybe it's because they played it back to back with Army Reserve. Maybe because it, uh, you know, maybe it kind of took a little, you know, because they kind of slowed it down a little bit for Army Reserve. And Green Disease is normally a little faster in tempo and everything and i wonder if they kind of hit a not really hit a lull but just kind of had calmed down a bit and then whereas weren't able to bring it back up again for green disease right away it's entirely possible yeah it is weird placement to have those two back to back i like on paper i guess i don't really hate it and i didn't hate too much listening to it because i think that momentum and energy was just completely 100 percent on their side that mm-hmm. it didn't it didn't bother me at all but i guess when i look at it it's not constructing a set list because now we're the masters of it. Um, <laughs> we, uh, I, I wouldn't do. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even think about putting these songs back to back, especially late in a set like this. Mm. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, not not for me. But um, move on. Uh, okay. Here's where we talk about the NBA. Uh, Jeff says that the Pistons won by two points. And Stone says, okay, so I guess the Pistons were facing the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals, a.k.a. the Pistons were facing LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals, (laughs) 2006. Um, And Ed jokes and says that they lost by three in OT, and apparently that was the game that brought it to a Game 7. I don't don't know. NBA... I all right. Here's my one thing with the band. I wish they were bigger hockey fans than they were basketball fans. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not much of a basketball fan either, and I'm a big hockey fan. So if they were, uh, well, Seattle's going to get a team here in the next couple of Seattle's years. So maybe, a team. maybe I'll uh, jump on board with that. I uh, I don't like basketball or hockey, so I'm going to settle with them playing in baseball stadiums because I'm I'm good with that. <laughs> well, you never know that that new key arena or whatever they're going to do up there. Everybody's. You know, the speculation, the rumors and innuendo, uh, people think that they're going to make a, a home up there, kind of like Billy Joel does with MSG. Oh, who knows? I, it, will get us, it, it will get our asses out to Seattle, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I'd go out to see that. That's definitely, I think that's on my list of now, it's not just go see Pearl Jam, it's, it's find venues and places and to go see them. I think Seattle's definitely on the list. Uh, yeah, Seattle's sort of the top of my list too. I'd like to just see them out there. They always put on good shows out there. Obviously, they're like home, you know, like it's a home show for them and uh, you know, I'd like to see them at some point. Why Go is the next song after Green Disease. Um, I think this is an interesting ending here. Uh, th- there's three songs left in the first set. And I think it's interesting. Uh, I don't. Say, I don't think it's great. Um, <laughs> I, I wrote interesting, actually. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that Stone's backup vocals near the end of Why Go sounded freaking amazing. So for Why Go, I wrote that it it starts off 
so weak. And I, I rewound it a few times to, to listen to it. I restarted it and I'm like, let me listen to it one more time. Listen to it one more time. But then I realized that it was a good thing because the weak start sets a, 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 a pace that gives Eddie a perfect tempo to sing to. And the song is so damn clean and I love it. And uh, it, it, it's actually a standout for me of, of, of this show because of, of, of just how tight this Why Go sounded. Interesting. I, you know, I, I, I guess I was just kind of on this momentum. So I didn't have a lot to say. I just said solid version. Why Go is just kind of, you don't really notice anything unless it's, it's bad kind it of just deal. Seemed, it just seemed like they took their time with it. And it, it stood out to me immediately that I, I, I had to keep, you know, going back to it and saying, why do I like this so much? I, I think it's because it's almost lame. And then, <laughs> and then they, and then they pick it up and I'm like, no, this is great. They pace this exactly how it should, should sound. It's, it's fantastic. I get that because there are versions of the song that just fucking drill you to the wall and it, and it, you feel so tired after listening to it because there's so much chanting and then, and Jeff's bass in the beginning gives you like this, these, you know, chills. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess I get what you're saying that that they just kind of they piece it out a little bit just and, and look for this part of the set if it was why go going into rearview mirror I said I would I would have said crank it up a little bit but it's going into inside job right this is where I wrote interesting okay so, Brett, did you have anything you wanted to add to it Brad sorry yeah no that's cool all I was gonna say was I remember thinking at the time when they were playing it that I thought that was going to be the end of the main set. Cause it's like a, Absolutely. it's a song that they would end the main set with. Yeah. And it's about that time. I mean, I guess it would have only been track or song 15. So it would a little been, been a little, maybe even a little early, but just at the time it just felt like, okay, this is the end of the main set. So it did caught me, catch me off guard a little bit when they had a couple more songs afterwards. Yeah, I agree. That's part of what was interesting, especially throwing inside job uh, in here before Rearview mirror after why go I thought it. I thought this version kicked ass live, though. It sounds. Uh, this version sounds very airy and melodic, and it's got this atmosphere around it that made this version. Again, the uh, you know, the word here is interesting. It made this version interesting, and it made this end of the set interesting. See, I, I, I guess I think we're contradicting each other because I, 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 I really like the ending to this, and I, it just. I, I can't remember visual like audibly what what it was. I'm reading my notes fast to slow, and it goes right back to fast. Uh, and where in parts where it fits better, other times they've done it and, and it's been clunky. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't I didn't feel the melodic out of this. I felt like it was more like a demo or a sound check version. It didn't have that. Mike's guitar felt like it had. A lot of gain on it. it it had a little too much it felt a little heavy for me I, I like it lighter I think I like that you said a sound check version because uh, this version it sounds comfortable to me it sounds like they're kind of just jamming on it and I, I think it works for the song that's that's an interesting approach it's an interesting um, sp- but it's it, this is yeah. an interesting moment, uh, right? It, this is not <laughs> this is not my favorite spot for this song. I like this in the encore, if anything. I agree, and, and it's a tough it's a tough tough one to place. But I mean, we're we're kind of talking about how 
it sounds. Why don't we why don't we play it? I, I didn't originally have this on the playlist. Might as we well though. A song. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we do it? Since it's an avocado song. Let's do it. to the placement on this uh i just is it weird that you're not like ending as enthusiastically as you started because i think if it would have ended why go into rearview mirror it would have been a stellar ending but then you kind of it's there's kind of a dip a little bit and i'm not sure if it took me out of it. I don't think it totally took me out of it because I, the rear view mirror was, was a really good rear view mirror in this. 
Yeah. Um, I think what would have taken me out of it is that maybe they threw it in there just to get it in because of of the tour. Because avocado stuff. Um, okay. But that doesn't bother me here because I, I, I like how it's performed. So that's, yeah, that's really all I got. I, I, it's, I don't know. I'm still kind of thinking about this one. Yeah, I, I think my it's not even an issue with it, but because the beginning, the first half of the song is just so very slow, and the second half is so very fast, it just feels like it. It like you guys keep saying, it's just in an interesting place. I think had they flip flop inside job and why go, it would have made for like a smoother ending to the to the main set there mm-hmm. with the slow be, the slow start of inside job into the fast part of inside job into why go into rearview mirror. I think would have been a very you know, it, it, like a more, I guess to say more of a, almost like a traditional ending to their, their main sets. Sure. You know, and, and this could be a thing, you think about what their mindset is. And this is early, this is pretty early in the avocado tour. And they have maybe like 40, 44, 40 or 50 more shows to do this year. Maybe I'm over exaggerating that a little bit, but it was, it's, it's a lot They're They go into December with, with this tour into Hawaii. So there, there's a lot to, there's a lot of shows in 06. Uh, but, Maybe they're doing it here because they're still trying to figure out what to do with Inside Job Live. It's the, let's look at my live footsteps stats. Yeah. I think it's it might be kind of obvious because the album's been out for, you know, two weeks and this really isn't the spot for it. So that makes perfect sense, you know. Try it out. It, Try it out where you can. It was the third time... Wait, yeah, it does say it weird. Am, it says fourth on the tour, but third all time, which doesn't really make yeah, a lot of sense. Dave, so. <laughs> Dave, get your measurements and check. Get your algorithm. We fixed. need to I'm uh, email you in five minutes after the show ends. We need to make uh, like millionaire lifelines where we could call in, like phone a friend, <laughs> and we'll call we'll call him up for stat discrepancies and and confusions. Well, I actually talked to to John Farrar because he's he's been uh, our bootleg dealer for most of these, um, and I I talked to him and he's like, "Can I get an executive producer credit?" And I said, "Oh you know yeah." What? <laughs> some some of these podcasts do have like a producer that I don't know if they they uh, they record in a studio or something, but they have a producer that'll chime in every now and again and be like, "Oh, you guys missed this. You guys missed the yep. you know." I'm, you know that that kind of thing. Um, I mean, at, at the least, I think he should be recognized as our uh, uh, media coordinator. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm, well, a, I'm up for giving him producer status as well. We can't forget uh, Jason. I, Jason Corbin is the one that gave us the Google Doc, right? Yep, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So we can't forget him either. We're I think right, I think so we're we'll, gonna we'll, let's throw him in there too. We want as many people to come on this show and have fun. Like, you know, Bradley was saying it before. He doesn't talk to a lot of Pearl Jam fans outside of his, uh, you know, his home life, right? You know, like, you're coming on and this is kind of euphoric for you, right? Oh, absolutely. Like I I said, uh, you know, I I got a lot of people that will go to the shows with me, but they can't speak intelligently about the setless construction like you guys can or anything. So it's just, uh, you know, it's it's great to... You know, talk to people about this kind of stuff. They know that they played the song, but they don't know why they played the song. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> we're we're Pearl Jam philosophers, I suppose. Ed says that 
it's a song that I wish I wrote. This is about Inside Job, but Mike McCready wrote that, and it leads to a huge Mike, 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 Mike chant. So uh, that goes in the rearview mirror, ending the first set. A little uh, bass jam from for the bassist uh, on this on this program. Tee it up. What do you think, Mister Bassist? Uh, I just heard Mike like plucking, or maybe Eddie plucking the guitar, which I said. Oh, uh, that- I thought that sounded like Jeff. Yeah, uh, I, I wrote it. It's not even a big deal. I don't even have to bring it up, but um, I it didn't need it. it. I think it works better. This song is just when you play the riff, hit them with it. That little bim, 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 kind of thing that they did. They, don't do they, it. Don't do it. They do. In some. It depends. This is kind of like the thing that I was saying with Dissident before, where Eddie just kind of is just like, ah, screw it. You guys know what this is. Billy Billy Joel does that what you know before he plays piano man he's like you guys never heard this one before like almost like uh hey hey guess what's coming you guys uh, already know like when when they do rear view mirror and it's like the really slow doom, 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 I don't like doom, it doom. don't like it what I, what I like is is for the stage to go totally quiet and there to be just a kind of a, a dead spot and then boom opening riff it's that's how the song was written. I mean, it's written to just like kind of smack you. And that little, you know, that little, uh, not into it. Not into there's, it. There's a show out there. I don't remember. I mean, I'm sure there's a million shows out there, but one of the ones that I listened to at some point um, was Lucan in the rearview mirror. And it's literally like the freak was purchasing a fucking gun. And it was yeah, awesome. That's really sounded cool. great. That's really cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. I felt like they keep kept the pace up pretty well for this, and uh, well, yeah. Other than other was... than that little intro, which isn't even worth mentioning because it's two and a half seconds long. Uh, great, <laughs> great rearview mirror. Then what did I say? Was it's nice and long and and in the meaty part? Maybe I'm just talking about like uh, after that first chorus, after that second chorus, uh, where they kind of go into the bridge. I think it was a pretty long bridge. Maybe that's what I'm talking about. Mm. Was it a long bridge in this one? Oh, are you reading? Are you like reading your own notes? Yeah, I'm oh. reading my yeah. Because some of some of these, I'm just if I hear songs like Rearview Mirror a hundred times, I have like such little things to say, and I I, I don't remember some from each show. I, this one was around like ten minutes, right? So I guess it was it was a long one. It could have been a little. The I'm, bridge could have been a little longer. Yeah, that's I guess that's where my quote. Damn, it's nice and long, and in the meaty part of it is is referencing to. Yeah, probably. All right, now we're on to the encore, and um, this is really where shit shit picks up. Um, the momentum was just on fire in the first set, and now Ed comes out and he says, "Are you kidding me? We don't want to leave this place." I thought we had friends in Chicago, and that got a major boo from people. I think that was a little wink-wink, nudge-nudge to those <laughs> that uh, you know didn't give them the energy response in the front row. <laughs> the Chicago thing gets a major boo from people. And Ed, Ed says here, now this is very important that we talk about this. He says that they're going to experiment, and there's a big difference between experimenting and fucking with it, and we're not going to fuck with it. And he says, one of the reasons why this room feels good tonight is because of uh, my morning jacket that opened up. How, how was my morning jacket? I, I, honestly, I don't really know them that well. So, uh, Well, here's what I will say. And 
uh, about and it involves the preset or as well. But uh, so since I had seen them both times in Chicago and Ed didn't do a preset, I, me and my friend Nick decided, hey, we saw them the first two times. They were great. They put on a good show, but they're not really like our favorites. So we decided to, you know, go grab a bite to eat, you know, visit like a record store, a comic book shop and stuff like that before. And so we missed the preset. They're his Mars Volta. You've seen him and you're like, that's enough. We don't need to see him this other time. Sure. <laughs> uh, but I yeah. will say uh, I won't compare them because uh, we've seen Mars Volta and, and live Oof. they are uh, they could be an absolute train wreck. Uh, but I, I've seen my morning jacket, too, and they were f- awesome. Oh, yeah. That's what I said. I, I like I saw them at Lollapalooza a few years later. And that, yeah, they like I said they always put on a really oh, good show. We might have been at the same Lollapalooza then when uh, I think I saw them at a Lollapalooza as well. Yep. Could very well could be. So, and yeah, and they, they, like I said, they always put on a great show. Every time I've seen them, they've been really good. But yeah. since we had seen them t- the t- both nights pr- uh, previous to this one, uh, we decided to, like, and we had, we had never been to Grand Rapids before. So we figured we'd, um, you know, like I said, check out a couple shops and grab a bite to eat before the show. And since Eddie hadn't done any preset, we didn't think anything of it. Yeah. And then turns out we missed it. So. It still counts towards your your stats, though. Even oh, sure. Though you didn't visibly see it. <laughs> well, sure. And like I said, I saw I saw Eddie do since it was him solo. I got I went to one of the solo shows and he played it there. So I've still seen Eddie Vedder play Dead Man by himself on stage. So, so yeah, uh, Dead Man and Can't Explain, and we'll get into. Well, he played Can't Explain because this is Pete Townsend's birthday, but we'll get into oh, Pete okay. Townsend a little while because uh, he gets mentioned here. Uh, I think in a second encore, I can't remember. So back to experimenting and not fucking with it. And we were talking yesterday, Bradley, we were talking about how they construct the set now and what they Mm -hmm. did at this show and trying to go back and at least for like riot act shows and uh, binaural shows, it didn't feel like they had that three song, that those three songs that to me are the most anticipated songs of the night Absolutely. nowadays uh, in that encore, you can get something, you can get like a fatal. You, if, if you're lucky, I've gotten strangest tribe out of that. Oh yeah. That spot. Yeah. So is this the birth of that? That's kind of what I wrote down in my notes. Cause this was the first time that I had seen them do. I always just call it like the seated encore because they come out. I don't remember if they actually were sitting in chairs for this part, but looking at this, this, the, the songs they played, it would make sense if they were. Cause I know that in later tours, they actually did sit down and play like some acoustic songs. And, um, but this was the first time I had seen it and I loved it. I still love it to this day. And like you said, this is the time where you might get something rare. You get something, they might try something, you get a, a B side or, um, you know, or just something they haven't played in a long time. And, um, and it, you know, I, it was one of the reasons I like the show so much. They're okay. So it, it's great that they do have a spot for these songs, but then you get to the point where you, you look at some of these songs and there's three of these songs out of the six that they do that are like campfire, cool, you know, sit down acoustic kind of songs. Um, and maybe one of them's not that, but it kind of it fits in with the mold. Um, there's three of these songs that I, nowadays I can't see them play in any spot but that three song open encore. 
Yeah, that's. Am I wrong? No, am you I said you couldn't see him play that? anything, but that—that's the only place you'd see him nowadays. Right, right. Yeah, I, okay. I agree with that. Yes, I agree with that one hundred percent. And that's why it was, yeah, again, like it was so neat to see them all, at the, you know, in the same spot, and the, like you said, the birth of what could be uh, a long tradition. So, and they do this. So they open, um, they open this up with sleight of hand, and I think sleight of hand is such a a good example of taking something that's such a deep cut. And not, I don't know how to appreciate it live. It's very weird because it's like, it's not the most exhilarating live song in the world. Uh-huh. But when you're looking at a set, I, I, I have seen this before. I, I, I haven't seen many binaural songs, but I have seen this. And it was either in this spot or, you know, in that top three, like I was saying, where, where it was placed. Mm-hmm. Um and it felt like, especially with binaural not being out, it felt like it doesn't have another place in a set list besides this spot. Am I am I wrong by saying that? Just thinking about it, now? I don't think so. Uh, in fact, I, I've seen it three times, and I'm pretty sure all three times I saw it, it was the first song in the first encore, and it I think it, it fits there really well, and uh, and it is it, it's almost. It would almost be odd to see it somewhere else. I mean, other than maybe those first couple songs in the encore, but uh, but yeah, I think it, it fits there um, like really well. Let's uh, it's another one that's debut. A lot of a lot of podcast debut songs tonight, and this is this is one of the two binaural songs that we're we're opening up for the first time on on the show. So let's play Slide of Hand to kick off this experiment. Something he had to be As the emerging traffic passed He found himself staring down At his own hands Trying to remember the change Trying to recall Like I was saying before, it's not like the most exhilarating live track in the world, but you don't think before a show, hmm, maybe I'll see Sleight of Hand tonight. Um, Right. And I kind of, before I saw it, I didn't really think of it at all. Right. I I was going to say, when the album first came out, I initially didn't like the song all that much, but I think after seeing it live, it made me like the song a whole lot more, and now it's probably one of my top two or three on the album. So, uh, you know what? Really it's, like it's it. a, 
it's a very adult song. It's got yeah. an adult theme to it. You know, once once you turn about thirty years old, you realize, oh, okay, I relate to this <laughs> shit. Yep. This is depressing. Matthew Helbig, your take? I liked how they said experiment because um, my whole thing about this whole first encore is that um, it is it is super long and and the I think the 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 only issue I have with this is that these songs up until around Crazy Mary are they're all very similar and I'm glad they they figured this out because this is a good starting off point to figure to, to figuring this out but this isn't quite there yet you know what I mean like it's almost like four or five of the exact same song and uh, the variety isn't there and and they're like they're testing it, they're working this out, and of course it turned into uh, a lot of people's favorite part of the night. It's a little draggy here, but all the songs are really good. So even though they're similar and it goes on for a long time, I can't really complain about this either because they're great songs. Mm-hmm. I think you can mix around a lot of these and have it fit better in a set. Um, I think opening it with "Hard to Imagine." would be a little better than opening with slide ahead. If you went hard to imagine into off he goes into parting ways around the bend slide, I don't, some kind of mix with that. I, I, I definitely think that hard to imagine as the open here would have worked better that that's, that that's the problem. The one right. little issue that I see that it's it hard to imagine because it's an opener. Usually it's so deep within these songs. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but with this, I feel like Sleight of Hand is, is good here, uh, starting it off, because I might be in the minority. Um, this is just my uh, my opinion of it in, in this grouping. I feel it's, it's the weaker uh, of the group, and I feel like it's a better way to start it off to, to build up. Sleight of Hand, you're saying, is the weaker? Of the yeah, group? yeah. I, I'm I'm kind of with you on that. That's, I'm not saying it's a yeah, weak song. That. I'm just saying in this grouping, uh, I it's good to build off of instead of come back from. I think so. Yeah, that okay. makes sense. I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, so to build off of, you go into off he goes, which I think is uh, a good choice to build build off of from because it's 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 a the mood is a little less depressing. It's uh it's still depressing. <laughs> right. Depressing. Uh, I, th- Shit I thought song. this was a pretty pretty beautiful uh, performance though. Oh. Totally agree. Uh, absolutely agree. Another standout for sure. Um, you know, I, I'm, I get to the point where I, I have nothing to say on Off He Goes because I love it every single time. It, it doesn't matter if I notice an, an issue with it or not. I was but. actually curious about uh, about Bradley's uh, take on, on Off He Goes seeing seeing this live here. Cause, oh, yeah. Uh, I, th- I thought uh, it was it, Yeah, I liked it a lot. I, I, you know, I've seen it quite a few times, and it, it always see, I always seem to see it at shows that it's just me and one of my uh, good buddies or something. And like I said, my uh, my friend Nick went with me to this show, and I have another friend, uh, John, who lives in South Carolina. And it seems like anytime I go to a show with just me and one of them two, uh, and those are probably the only other two who I could have conversations about Pearl Jam with, and, um, and I always seem to get it with them, which is kind of fitting because it's kind of a song about, you know, Friends who uh, you know don't get to see each other all that often and stuff, but uh, but no, I thought it worked good, and um, you know it's another song I, I I always welcome to see live. You know, I, it's funny you say that because I I I think I've seen this three or four times, and 
besides once, I can only think of one time where I didn't see it alone. And I, I, I think it's also a song where, you know, it's about friends, but it's kind of about uh, somebody who is just sort of distracted from, from life and uh, not really focusing in on the current moment. Um, you know, with that, with whatever else is going on, you know, behind the curtain, so to speak. Um, sure. And I think it's, well, it's appropriate to see it with friends. It, it does make sense to see it alone as well. Oh, sure. Sure. So, but it, that, that doesn't, you know, I think it's just funny that you, you brought up that you usually see this with friends and I bring up that I usually see it by myself <laughs> at the yeah. funny dichotomy. So, oh, sure. Um, yeah. All right, Ed says, let's experiment some more, and then asks, I think I think Stone is kind of playing it in the background a little bit. He asks if they want to hear Around the Bend, and they hadn't played it in a while. Let's check the statistics on that. Um, Around the Bend hadn't been played yet and on that tour. 25 shows since they had played it, and it's it's it was only the sixth performance in total yeah and at that point it had already been out for 10 years or something so it was a complete shocker for me to see it live that's a song i never would have thought hey maybe they'll play around the bend or i hope they play it because it's it was almost like the odds of it were so low that i wouldn't even thought to uh hope for it and the last two two shows that we've covered that you've been to had they played it right that this is moline so right right there you go. Um, yeah, you know, Matt, you and I talk about wanting to hear this as a closer, uh, but I, I like it in this spot, too. I, I just don't see it ever fitting anywhere else. Um, happy to cover it. <laughs> just, I'm, just, just happy, I'm, hap, I'm happy to have it. It's it's always welcome. That That's that's like when you get the progress reports in high school. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. for like an art class or <laughs> yeah, what, what's always the, the pleasure to have a pleasure class. to have a class. <laughs> Randy and I, we always got the pleasure to have in class. Oh, very good. <laughs> Fourth song into this experiment and it's parting ways. Uh, another live on four legs debut. It's two binaural debuts in one show. So we play two binaural debuts in one show. Let's play parting ways. <laughs>
although Ed messes up a little bit of the opening lyrics, it, it doesn't really make a difference. Um, the song still still flows. It's still fine. I, I'm just... I, I haven't hit my moment yet where I've said I, I really like this song. I, I just... I don't know. The end of Binaural for me is just not quite... It's It doesn't hit as as well as like the end of avocado say i, I don't know i am not i'm not a huge parting ways fan i know bradley you said yesterday when when we talked that, that you love parting ways yeah i was just gonna say i'm the exact opposite and uh, i love parting ways it's one of my probably like top 10 favorite songs of theirs. i love it i wow i yeah That's... i really really like it i don't i think it just has something to do with the, the emotion in the song and uh even its placement at the end of an album, I think it fits really well at the end of uh, Binaural. And um, and I, like I said, it's it's very underplayed. They don't play it all that often. And um, you know, I'll, I guess that's another one I would take as many times as I could get because it's uh, it's something I it, I just adore the song. You know what it has? It has a um, it has a George Harrison just took a trip to India for two months feel to it, <laughs> and and uh, this is what you get in response, like one of those songs off of. Uh, revolver that has has a sitar in it it, it yeah. almost feels like it should have a sitar um matt what, what do you what do you like or dislike about this one i'm happy to have it <laughs> pleasure to have it Ple- pleasure to have it here like, like i said uh i i think this whole encore was maybe a little bit drawn out maybe a little slow i i appreciate the testing the waters seeing how they're going to be doing these encore ones in the future very cool but i, I like all these songs uh, so is it something that i would i would want to see no i'd like to see the encore one mixed up a little bit more than it is but i like the songs so uh, i i'm i really don't have many notes for any of these encore one songs at all besides alive and it's a super small note and we'll get to that soon. So, yeah. All right. Parting way after parting way is hard to imagine, and we kind of said that before. I, I am used to, you know, my experience with hard to imagine has been as an opener, and uh, there are other. We we covered it at the Vic show, and that was like in the middle of a set, and that was interesting, so to speak. Um, you know, I think if you would have put this like either first or third. Either before Off He Goes or after Off He Goes, I would have liked it better. But I think this is too strong of a song to be this deep within this grouping. Sure, I could see that. Uh, I agree that I like it better as even as an uh, opener for the entire show or even like earlier in the uh, in the encore or something. To, and I, it's, it's another song I like a whole lot, and um, and I'm happy to see it. But, uh, but yeah, I agree that it's, uh, its placement is a, a little... You know, not necessarily bad, but but could be better. I'm going to try to read what I wrote here. I said, what what's, cra- what's crazy is that this is so much different than the main set that I'm a little puzzled. This is like me reading somebody else's quote, because I don't remember me saying this at all, but whatever. <laughs> uh, I apparently think this. Uh, almost a tale of two shows, which is really a fun concept, but is it jarring? No, I'll chalk it up to being a rare lightning in a bottle scenario. So... Okay, I agree yeah. with all of that actually. Yeah. Okay. Then I I apparently agree with it too because I <laughs> I I put finger to to 
type. Yes. I, not a pen to paper. Nobody writes on paper anymore. Um, Crazy Mary, Matt, you can you can just you can just gush over this. Uh, I mean, this Crazy Mary outro was. I mean, it's like. Just say it. Boom and Mike are musical soulmates. Oh God! It, it's just this. Uh, <laughs> it's awesome. It's it's freaking great. The the the, yeah. the the end is tremendous. You can listen to this version of Crazy Mary and not have any uh, marijuana or marijuana supplements in your system, but still feel like you had something in your system. This is, and I always, I always kind of say that about crazy Mary, but this one, man, this one's really chilled out and just felt like you can just sit back in your chair and just fucking enjoy music for what it is. Really awesome crowd reaction when they, when they started off too. doesn't get much better. Yeah. I thought it was yeah, a phenomenal version of the song. It was really, really good. Um, and I, 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 for the longest time I was I liked Crazy Mary, and then I went through a phase where I was just kind of tired of it, and then now I'm back to liking it a whole lot, and you know, I lo- like to see it at uh, shows again. I think uh, uh, I had seen it like three times before I had seen like once or why go, and so it was one of those things where I was getting frustrated, where like I keep seeing the same cover, and there's lots of you know really good Pearl Jam songs I hadn't seen yet. Sure. But, uh, right. but you know, but over time, then it became you know it's. Crazy Mary's not played as often anymore. Uh, I mean, it still gets played, you know, routinely, but it's not like an every every other show type of thing anymore. So, so like I said, now I've gr- grown to back to appreciate it a lot more than uh, than I did at some points. You know, I, I almost can. I kind of yes, it's a cover. It's obviously a cover, but it's it's not a cover in the same way like Sonic Reducer or Kick Out the Jams or Fucking Up Bob O'Reilly like. Any of those are covers, and I and I will put "Rockin' in the Free World" in the same category, just because it's it's become synonymous with Pearl Jam. Right? Yeah, it's Crazy it's, Mary has become synonymous with Pearl Jam. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yes. All right, Matt, you had comments on a live, so I I, I thought it just sounded really awesome. So just a quick comment. Um, I thought this was like Green Disease. I thought it felt a little empty. I, I didn't think it had that extremely powerful punch that it usually does. The pace was good. The performance was good. I just thought it was uh, uh, just a little bit underwhelming for for an alive. All right, I didn't feel that way. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I thought it was a good version. I didn't find any really anything wrong with it. I don't know if I thought it was too slow or if it was a mix, like a studio mix, like if it just wasn't loud enough or wasn't mastered. I don't know. Uh, it just, yeah, it was it was kind of just okay. As as far as an alive goes, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. That's that's another one of those songs. That I'm, I'm just sort of. If there's something really unique to it, then I'll notice it. But I mean, a good alive, alive is alive, unless it's like the earlier stuff. This is this is at the point where alive is very much a a set list staple. So it's not, you know, it, it's pretty much almost the same every night but i guess your men- mental makeup when you're listening to it is that it kind of sounds like that last version that you heard from a 2013 show or something like that just because it it doesn't really change too much over time but mm. you know uh, look you're you're a musician and you hear things differently than i do and i sometimes i guess when it comes to listening to a three-hour 
show, I I guess I get hungry and have to go into the kitchen and <laughs> don't take my notes. So, um, Encore 2 time. And Ed said, no more experimenting. We're going to drive this thing home with you, so put your seatbelts on and do the evolution. knocks home uh, the first one in the second Encore, and I thought that was an excellent way to start. This is this is the spot, baby. This is where, mm-hmm. this is where it, it kills here. I love it. Yep. My only note was just a perfect spot. That's all I wrote for Do the Evolution. Yeah, it's a good second encore opener. Yeah, I wrote the spot. The in capital letters. Basically, <laughs> basically we wrote the same shit, same you guys. Stuff. Short and sweet. All right. Comatose here. Um, oh, God. <laughs> well, the, dude, can they not fuck up the intro to this song once? <laughs> it's like ridiculous. Every, You know what? They get through the intro. And I'm like, oh my god, it's perfect. And then Eddie misses his cue, and I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> and then the rest of it's fine though, but uh, it's fast and short and sweet and to the point, and it's in a killer spot and it's awesome. But my god, they they just can't get this thing off the ground ever. It's it's pretty early in the song's history, uh, only being played for the ninth time, which is. To, to give you a little Pearl Jam history, for those that, that didn't know there, um, this song was once called uh, Crapshoot Rapture before Avocado came out. They played it like once or twice, I think in Seattle in 2005, uh, and it was not comatose. It was the same, almost the same exact song. Maybe a couple words changed here and there, but it was called Crapshoot Rapture. Okay, well, so that, this a, is that's a really stupid name. So I'm kind of <laughs> yeah, <changed. laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, Light Years used to be called Puzzles and Games, Puzzles so and games. you know, some sometimes Brendan O'Brien has to kick him in the ass a little bit. <laughs> well, at least the words Puzzles and Games appears in Light Years. Exactly. Yeah. It's like they bring it. It's like, hey, we got a song called Crapshoot Rapture. They're like, no. No, you don't. That's going to be called Comatose. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do want to say one thing about Comatose if uh, if, if we if you're still on Yeah, it. let's talk totally. about it. It's what we talked about last night, right? Yes, exactly. Because uh, okay. I was, I was going to say the reason that he misses his cue, uh, and this is another thing I remember uh, a whole lot from the show, was that right before they started – Eddie ran to the side of the stage, almost like stone side, and yelled to somebody off off stage. And I, we, you know, at the time, didn't know what he was saying, what he was doing, or whatever. And had run back to the mic to catch the song. And he picked up like, you know, like almost without missing a beat, just you know, like in the middle of the second line or the beginning of the third line or whatever. And but he, what he was doing was he was asking for a megaphone, like a little megaphone. And someone tosses it to him from off stage. And if you listen uh, towards the end of the song, I think it's like the last verse or maybe. Uh, uh, Maybe it's the last chorus or something. He sings it through a megaphone, and if you know, if you listen, you can actually kind of hear that it's got like a weird echo effect or some kind of distortion to it. He whispers through a megaphone. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I think it's funny and ironic that it still happens in comatose, though. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that does, that hasn't changed. It's still comatose, and oh, oh boy. Even this early on, they're just like, all right, we're just gonna butcher this song every time we play it, so we might as well. Butcher it. I still love it. Butcher it in style. Um, next up, uh, Ed says, I think we may be fucking with you. And then they go into Satan's bed. Um, the craziest thing about this is that this is the 18th time that Satan's bed had ever been played. And it's only the 
38th overall. I didn't think it was that low. I thought it was somewhere in like the 60s or 70s. I didn't think it was like low, low. Right. You know, this is this is in a very much of a rarer territory than I would have expected it. But um, this is this cool though. This is probably your first time hearing it. I would think, right? Yeah, it was my first time hearing it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, when I see stuff like that, that it's only been played 38 times overall, I've only I've seen it twice. So it's only been played out of all their shows 36 other times. It, there's something that I'm like, man, that doesn't it doesn't make sense. It's 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 right, but it doesn't make sense, you know? Right. You think something that's been around that long would have at least be almost like you know by default just shown up in more set lists, you know, as yeah, somewhere in the early stages and you know on the Vitalogy tour or something. Oh, I, I always thought that about rats, because rats is another one that like it's puzzle. They 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 wouldn't play it for twelve years or whatever, and you know the first show I get rats, and every time you're in New York City, you're gonna get rats because they always talk. Oh, the rats in the sewers. <laughs> right, right, right. And I've seen it like five times. So that that one's probably been played like fifty. Sure. So it's just a weird. It, it's weird to to know stuff like that. Yeah, I think that. they took a giant break with Why Go also because um, this was when they played Why Go here. It was only the second time I had ever seen it, and the first time was the previous show I'd been to. And so I think like from like ninety three or ninety four all the way up in was, I think it was like two thousand and six, like this tour or maybe the, the next tour when they started playing it regularly again. That's insane. Yeah. I, for why go to be like that? That's an insane. Um, however, uh, this wasn't originally supposed to be in a set here. Uh, this replaced "Don't Give Me No Lip," so that would have also been very cool. Yes, yeah, I would have been like excited because I would not have expected either of them. So it would have been kind of cool to see. Yeah, it's 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 funny though to to call an audible for a rare song. To call an audible for another rare song, I, I feel like man, that's that's pretty ballsy. That you yeah. went and you did a you did a song and sound check that you put on the set list, and now you're going out there and doing a song that you play less than twenty times, and it still sounds great. Yeah, Mike Mike sounds awesome on this, so it's it's a treat to hear it. And um, I, yeah, I think we can move on. I think we have a lot to talk about the next song and we're gonna play it here i believe this is a live on four legs debut i think so too this is like the ninth debut song today but um, <laughs> i wrote in my notes good to see it pop up <laughs> pleasure to have a glass pleasure to have uh leatherman uh let's play it first and then we'll talk about it
yeah, we haven't covered it yet, and I don't think this is a good a start to a good relationship uh, f- with the song. I, I I enjoy the song as kind of like you know it's not it's never one of my like ultimate favorites, but whenever I hear it, I'm like okay, all right, this is this is cool because it's not on it's not it's not on Lost Dogs or anything like that. It's not on an album, so it feels a bit rarer when you come across it, right? Uh, but this is a horrible spot for a song like this. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Terrible. I, yeah. So uh, I, I, I wrote in my notes, it said, it's good to see it pop up. It's, you know, um, I thought it sounded. But the crowd sounds dead. Well, I, you know why? I thought it sounded a, a little sloppy and it's it's horrible in this spot. But but then at the end I wrote, fuck it, it's Leatherman. <laughs> I was about to say I, I um I'm not I'm not going through and looking on setlist FM but I, I didn't make this note but Go was originally supposed to be on the set list. I was just gonna I, but did you see what it says it replaced it what replaced I thought it, it was Leatherman. No, it says don't what was it, it says don't give me no lip and Go were on the set list but were replaced with Satan's Bed and Yellow Leadbetter. Could you imagine? Go could you imagine if, if Go closed this set? Close the show. That's gotta be. That would have been. That's gotta be like. That would have. That would have made this the best show of all time. Yeah, that would have been <laughs> way cool. That's gotta be. That's gotta be like they 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 just scratched go after do the evolution or something, and they were originally gonna end with Baba. Yeah, the old, my thing with that is I remember a while back they used to come up with their the encore set list after the main set when they took their break in the back and i remember just seeing some handwritten set lists for the encore and it was almost just like a random list of songs they didn't put them in the order they were going to play them they just and they kind of they just pick, yeah and they just picked them up like how they did them and so i'm wondering if that that was the situation because uh to close with go just doesn't I mean, it would be awesome, but I, I, it doesn't feel like that was part of the original game plan. Right. Who right. knows? I mean, maybe it was. I mean, that would have been really cool. But I, I really, I really don't think that that they were planning on closing with Go. I think once they once they got to the encore, I bet they went backstage and they crossed some stuff off and added. That's what I think. This comes into play. What 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 Bradley says? If it was, if it was more of like a hodgepodge, and they they maybe had it like as an idea. It could have looked like it was later in the set. Like if they they could have wrote it last, just to be like, oh, let's throw it in where we could. Maybe I. If anybody listening has a picture of this set list or was lucky enough to get the set list from this, I yeah. just send it to us. Yeah, we got to see this. Answers all our damn questions. I just one last thing about Go is I would not want to hear them close with it because I think after after Go, I want to hear so much more. I that's fire me up for like a hundred more songs i would be so disappointed i agree with that that but i i I would want to see it just because it's so unusual unusual yeah we've seen it close a set before not a show not a show but we've seen it close the first set so yeah all right uh blood after leather man um just like the old days Back in the Vitalogy and Versus days where blood really was in, it was blood in the porch in these spots, like really late to close sets and and uh, and kill it at the end. Um, Ed tries to get the audience to make a little more noise in it. And I feel, is do you remember, did the audience kind of, did the crowd die a little bit? Were they like really exhausted after all of this? Because it, it, 
I don't. It doesn't usually pander like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't remember that. Like, I don't remember people being like you said, like tired or anything. I only wonder if maybe it felt like a lot of people didn't recognize Leatherman with it not being on Lost Dogs or anything. That it felt like almost like they not hit a wall, but like there was just a lot of people who really didn't know what to think because they didn't recognize the song. And then so right when they went into Blood, I think people were still kind of kind of like unsure of what was going on. And then you know when until Blood came on, so. But uh, I don't really remember. I don't remember uh, um, too much about. I don't remember the audience like dying out or anything. I mean, I was through the roof because I love blood. So it's uh, you know. So I had a good time. Fucking vampire. <laughs> I I thought this. I thought this one was another. Um, uh, it's it's another one that was paced exceptionally well, and it let Eddie kind of breathe, and um, he was able to sing it to perfection Which is weird because you can't really breathe during the song it's all screaming like and then you're out of freaking breath not here it was it was the tempo the pace was so well that it seemed comfortable for him and it was it sounded great okay i look i i love blood almost no matter what so I, that's you know i i don't have much of a judge and i really the only comments was I said I had it's near the end of the set like the good old days and Ed tries to get the crowd to make a little more noise so that that was that was about it so after well, you had something else or well, all I was gonna say was you know that's the normal like a live spot for the most part and yeah. I, I kind of like that it was flip flop they added a little more variety and you know uh, you know it, it, you know nowadays you hear live you know the the house lights are coming on you only got one or yeah. maybe two more and i like that a live was played earlier cuz then it, it kind of kept you on the edge of your seat you didn't know are they exactly. going to do more are they going to is this going to be it are they you know you didn't know what was coming up you know until bob o'reilly pretty much so and then and then after baba you're kind of saying after the show you're kind of recounting things they're like oh no no porch tonight okay that's interesting cuz yeah. yeah. porch is going to be played almost every night um but Ed asks if there's anything left because, you know, apparently he doesn't think the crowd is, is into it at this point. Uh, but people in the crowd are apparently chanting Pete, 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 Pete. And um, they do a birthday shout out to both. Uh, man, this what a hell of a rock and roll birthday. Uh, May 19th is Pete Townsend and Johnny Ramone. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. So so he does a a shout out to both of them. And I wanted to mention, so somebody on, I think it was, uh, the porch boards, uh, said that they did this and it was before I listened to the show. And I'm like, I think to myself, I'm like, no, that wasn't, that wasn't the show that, that, that they did a Pete, Pete Townsend shout out. There's no way. Cause I was at that show and I went back. I'm like, wait a minute. It was the MSG night one in 2010 and I'm like, yeah, that that they they that was the show they did the birthday shout out. Both shows are fucking May nineteenth. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding, no kidding. So uh, I think also uh, Andre the Giant was born on May nineteenth. I don't think he, really. I don't think he had anything to do with music, but I thought I'd throw that out there. No. Um, every time I think Andre the Giant, being obviously a wrestling fan, the only thing I can think of is. Hulk Hogan, I am challenging you to the World Wrestling Federation Championship. <laughs> <laughs> and then ripping the freaking uh, crucifix necklace off and bleeding. Oh, my God. What a great freaking <laughs> moment. Um, old school ladies wrestling for you. Um, Baba, uh, I think better choice than rocking here uh, for sure. It just it gelled so well with the energy that they had all night. And that's all I wrote. 
Yep, I actually had no notes for it because it was it was good. Yeah, I also didn't have any notes, but yeah, I, I think Baba fits better there. Baba's more of a sing-along than Rockin' in the Free World, or the crowd seems to get more into Bob O'Reilly, and with the way the crowd was for most of the night, I think it was a good 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 choice. You, you know, you know what I feel? I feel like Rockin' in the Free World is is a a very good sing-along in its own right, but I feel people go crazy for the chorus where Baba O'Reilly. I feel like people sing along the entire song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. I'm also a little biased because I I would take Baba over Rockin' anytime. Or it's fucking up where they're only singing. Why do I keep fucking? Uh, right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I look. I I think I think Rock. I don't I don't want to say Rockin' is worn out as welcome for me, but um, I think I'd rather Baba O'Reilly in sets just because I it feels a little different to me. Yeah, sure. If you know what I mean. You, for me, it's I, I could take I could take either of them. I like them both. And a lot of times, it you know I, I'm happy with either of them. And I guess it probably depends on the mood I'm in that night on what I would prefer. But you know, you, you know, I, I don't get to choose anyway. So, but I'm yeah. happy. I'm happy with either of them. So, exactly. It's pretty much it's death and taxes. You're gonna get one of them. So right for the most part. But uh, again, it's it's like choosing between I don't know. Uh, uh, a fudgesicle and a, a another fudgesicle that has a different rapper. <laughs> it's right. the same fucking thing. Uh, all right, so they do close with Ledbetter. We we got that out of the way. This is this is the end, and and Ledbetter is tacked on here. Um, and Ed, this is probably why they added Ledbetter on. He makes some uh, anti-war statements. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people make fun of this song and, and how, you know, you can't tell what the lyrics are. But, man, the lyrics are, once you figure out what they are, they're so deep and you can put in a deeper perspective. And I think in this version and in the version that we're going to hear next week, in that version, um, he puts the boxer in the bag he puts a different spin on the boxer in the bag lyric and he says instead of he doesn't know whether he's a boxer or the bag he says he doesn't know whether his brother is coming home in a box or a bag which i'm wondering was the original idea of the song because it being you know uh, a guy gets a letter saying that his his brother died in the war and then you know, because he's a grunge kid from Seattle with a, you know, sh- shatty clothes, whatever, you know, uh, walking down. This is a true story from Eddie and one of his friends. They were walking down a, you know, a neighborhood and some guys uh, were sitting out on their porch. And I think his friend who this happened to um, was saluting the flag and basically the the look that the guys gave him from the porch was a go away you fucking kids kind of look so it's putting things into perspective it's like you know we're you know two different sides of the spectrum where people on that side may be thinking like these kids look at how they look they have no respect for anything while they're sitting there like very respectful and introspective and you know they have no idea that this all is is about that so yeah it was like it's all about like you know people uh, i guess what uh like 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 judging on the the long hair grunge look and not really knowing what was uh 
underneath that basically type, it, type it's, thing. It's fear of the unknown. And yeah. I think it happens with, it doesn't just happen with, uh, I guess current trends. It happens with, uh, you know, if you're, if you're secluded people and I, okay, I go back to, to basic white people, I suppose. And, and this is where, you know, you get racism and sexism and homophobia started and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, if you don't have exposure to all different walks of life, of course you're going to be afraid of it. Of course you're not going to understand it. So I don't know if it was extensive research into the song. I have so much about the song right now that I haven't had in, in the years I've been listening to it. But um, I read something somewhere. It was probably the PJ20 book that Mike said that it was a shame they didn't put it on the album because it deserved to be on the album. And he says, to this day, I have no idea what the lyrics are. I have no idea what it's about. You can play it a hundred more times and not know, but I still love it to death every single time. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I had read that too. I know Mike took it not being on the album pretty pretty personally or pretty hard. So, But he also said that, I mean, this was when Epic was kind of in control of stuff and they were... You know, especially him, you know, at least Stone and, and Jeff had put out a major record before. Um, I, you know, he probably felt like he couldn't speak up because, True. you know, he just, okay, let's get an album out. This is cool. Like, I like all the other 11 songs, so I'm, I'm okay with this. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I don't, I don't even know if Ledbetter would fit yeah that's what i was just gonna say is i don't know where like where a good placing would be on the you know you'd have to close with it but you have to close with with release right yeah such a i'm sure i'm sure ed said something and said look release needs to be on the album sure sure or maybe at the time it wasn't it was shy enough but anyway that's uh that's that show and this was a real fun one so let's rate it how many stick men are you giving it bradley um well uh a couple last minute things that i wanted to say uh real quick um is one thing i love at any show is i like when every album gets at least one song and this one hit that right there and every actually every album had at least two songs played so that's really good and i always like seeing songs for the first time and i got four or five of those uh the show so that's one of the reasons why i liked it so much and i would probably give it um like an eight and a half, probably is what I would say. Something, you know, something out there. Without without me ranking all of the other ones previous to the show, I would I still uh, find it. You know, I know how you guys, you know, you don't like to give tens and nines are hard to come by, but uh, I would give this an eight and a half in my mind. But it, but it's it's different for you because you were at this show, so you have a different approach. I feel like I can't give a show a 10 that I wasn't at. Sure. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. I got so. you. I got you. But yeah, that's why I say eight and a half good. Cause there were a couple, uh, a, you know, a couple small, um, you know, critiques, but for the most part, yeah, it was, it was really good. And, uh, um, yeah, like eight and a half, maybe somewhere between eight and a half and nine, I'd say closer to eight and a half. You give it, give it, give it the old Patrick Kane an 8.8. 8. Yeah. Eight, eight. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, Matt. Uh, yeah, easy eight. I mean, a uh, couple hiccups here and there, but, Overall, it's absolutely another bootleg that I will uh, gladly listen to again. Uh, eight, yeah. We got a great little collection going, don't we? Oh, with all these geez, yeah. bootlegs that we're getting from the shows, yeah. that 
this is this is one I'll, I'll go back to in some time you know once i get some time not researching other shows i'll, I'll go back to this one and um i i was i, I Honestly, Brad, I'm surprised that you gave it an 8.5 because, like, my immediate thought was I I enjoyed this so much from a bootleg perspective that I really wanted to just give it a 9. I I was feeling it that much that I want to give it a 9, so I'm going to give it a 9. I just feel bad that I'm giving it more than somebody that went to the show is sure sure i I didn't want to you know overstep my bounds there and give it too high of a number or anything but uh but yeah like i said eight and a half to nine is where i would give it yeah so i i think it's because it surprised me it felt it looked at first like it could have been basic that it could have been a little run of the mill except for the encore but that's when you can't judge a show by its set list right and you have to you have to go in and listen to it and see where the momentum uh, swung and and where the energy hit. And I and I think the show surprised me in a lot of different spots, and that's why I liked it enough to give it a nine. Great. So, right, okay. All right, you've convinced me. I switched to a nine. So. <laughs> uh, okay. Fine. So. All right. Before we say goodbye to you, Bradley, we're we're starting a new tradition here on okay. uh, Live on Four Legs, and you are the first one. To start this new tradition, we're going to play a little game. Oh, great. We uh, we don't have a name for the game yet. We're still figuring it out. We're, we're still going to figure out some kinks with it. But every time we have a guest on, we're going to do a different game. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a minute on the clock. And you have, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you your category. And let's see how many you can get in a minute. Uh, These are... Pearl Jam songs that begin with a vowel. A vowel. Okay. And I will tell you that I found 41 of them. Holy Lord. Okay. Yeah. No covers. These are all not just album songs, but some of these are, you know, uh, yeah. all different walks of life. So I'll give you three, two, one, then I'll start the, uh, are, you, are you good? You ready? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Uh, alive, alone. All or none, in the moonlight, in hiding, insignificance, indifference, um, of the girl, of the earth, you, just the song you, um, unemployable, even flow, um, uh, evacuation. Um, <laughs> I know it gets a little tough. Um, uh, you got about twenty five seconds. Okay. Um, did I say indifference? I think you did. Okay. Um, immortality. Uh, hmm. You got almost. You got five more seconds. Uh, Four, three, two. Once. Once. Ah, oh, there you go. Right at the buzzer. <laughs> yeah. uh. Right at the buzzer. Uh, I believe that was 15, if I'm not oh, okay. mistaken. That was, a, that was a fun game. We need a name for it. Um, but we have some other ideas that we want that we can't do this week because of, of time. But, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to it. And what we're going to do it with every – we'll come up with a different one, a different theme every single time. So that was, that was fun. Bradley's on the board with 15. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
out of a possible 41, even though I counted the ones, the Ys. I counted the Ys, but whatever. It's sometimes. Bradley, really thank you for coming on. Thank you for opening the show up to us. Uh, this was a really fun discussion that we had today. Just We went on a lot of different tangents and took us a lot of different places. And uh, this was awesome. Thank, thank you for for being a part of the team and uh let's do this again sometime yeah thanks again uh, thanks to both you guys for letting me be part of it i i had a blast it was a lot of fun uh, reliving the show and talking about it and uh yeah anytime you'll have me on even even if it wasn't a show i went to if you're just looking for another uh point of view for some show i'm you know i'm always willing to do this so uh yeah so anytime you guys want me to your uh, your track record for bringing us good shows is at you know, a hundred percent right now. So <laughs> if you want to bring us a show, we, it's very we, high. we trust you completely. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, again, thank you so much. And, um, yeah, we're, we'll, we'll cycle in like all these, all these Patreon donors. I'm, I'm sure we'll get different donors coming in in different spots, but, um, you know, John, John wants to come on again. And I said, he's, he's at the back of the line. So now you, you can you can get on online behind John if you want, uh, and then we'll have you on maybe in like I don't know March or April or something. We'll try to do like every other show have a guest on something like yeah, that. Sure. So. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll 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 continue listening. So uh, and I, you know I got your information. I'll get a hold of you guys and and we'll we'll, we'll be in touch. So. All right. Well, thank you and uh, awesome awesome to have you on board as a fan. Really appreciate everything you've done for us so far. Yeah, no problem. All right, well, thanks again, and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, bud. See you soon. Right. Yep, talk to you guys later. See ya. Well, thanks again for Bradley Piasecki to, for coming on the show, for uh, uh, suggesting the show. Again, like we said, we had no prior knowledge of it, and a lot of these shows that are out there, there's so many that, you know, you kind of, before doing this, this podcast, I was so consumed with what, I had seen and you know other big stuff I suppose but um, a lot of this stuff I'm learning for the first time I think both of us are and um, you know while we're not Pearl Jam fans dating back to to you know 1991 or anything like that we definitely it's fun to 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 learn as we go and and to get new ideas and and that you know, that was another great example of it. So absolutely. Um, and again, this is Bradley was awesome enough to donate to our Patreon account. Um, and if that's something that you guys are interested in doing, if you donate to our Patreon account, we definitely reward you. If you're interested in doing a show with us, please like we're loving these guest shows. They, they, you know, we, we love all different talking points and um, I, I think it brings a, a unique uh, a, another unique voice into the show and Bradley definitely had that today so uh, go if, if you're interested in doing it go on down to our patreon account just search for live on four legs on patreon donate whatever you can there's no you know no limit there's no there's no minimum there's no maximum whatever you can uh, and not only that, uh, that you get to come on a show with us if, if you'd like, uh, but we have exclusive content that we started to do. So we still have the, uh, the 1992 New Year's Eve show 
that's up there and that's going to be up there for as long as uh as we have this going so you know even if even if you join and decide to be a patron in three months from now you can still listen to that exclusive content later on so uh you know i i get everybody's budget after christmas is you know i my budget is insane right now so uh you know we we do it to keep this afloat and to keep you know we have back orders on shirts and things like that that we need to to get on and then you know just to kind of keep this afloat uh and we really do appreciate everybody's help so if that's something you guys want to come on a show if you're interested in doing that head on over to patreon and and support the show and we we love you long time and uh uh from that i'm gonna tell one story that uh just one story today because it's long and we've already had a three-hour show basically so this was from the porch boards from 100 pacer and he said if you believe the story that the band wasn't impressed with some of the contingent of traveling fans not responding to the new material live someone bumped into tim and i don't know who tim is uh he might be a board member, something like that. Uh, someone bumped into Tim at the Chicago shows, and apparently he alluded to a change at the next show. Dis- distribution began. He might be a Ten Club or a, you know a Pearl Jam employee, something like that. Yeah. Uh, distribution began with Ten Club number one three zero XXX in row A, seat one on the floor and work back everyone below that number ended up in the wings my number is 131 xxx so this is like 100,000 131,000 that's what i'm saying right uh it's it's hard to say when x's are numbers and my brother and i were in the front row between ed's and ed and stone's mics whether it was the newer people up front, the energy in general inside the arena, or just the fact that the band was completely dialed in and ready to impress during the main set made for a blistering display. In hindsight, certainly seemed like the band wanted to test whether the crowd would respond as enthusiastically to the first encore, and we didn't disappoint. I remember thinking that it was a fast-paced set, but it didn't feel like a rush show. The band was taking their time. But on a personal note, it was fun watching the band interact with each other and the fans. At one point, Ed walked up to the front of the stage to pass out a guitar pick. Wasn't trying to get his attention, but when he looked over, I pointed to my brother, and Ed walked up, handed the pick to him. When the band left the stage for the first encore, Ed walked by and I shouted, (laughs) Matt, I shouted, big wave! And without breaking a stride, he said, saving it. Yeah, for... uh That's your... That's your life. Yeah, saving it for 2019, hopefully. Yeah, probably <laughs> uh, not, but definitely man not. can dream. Yeah. Lastly, just when I thought things couldn't get more interesting, at the 58 second mark, he puts a YouTube clip in. Maybe we'll share. We'll share that after the show. That'll be some good content. Immediately after catching it, uh, I'm going to guess that this was probably a tambourine or a pick. I handed it to my brother and didn't think twice. This was the pick, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, I handed it to my brother and didn't think twice. During Yellow Leadbreader, while Mike was doing his thing and Ed was hanging back behind Stone, when he looked over and noticed my brother holding, holding the tambourine. Okay, it is a tambourine. I should read. I should read more often. I thought he said pick two. Whatever. 
He he did say pick, but I'm I'm just reading. At this point, I'm watching Mike completely oblivious, but my brother makes eye contact with Ed, who mouths to my brother, are you here together? And my brother gives Ed a thumbs up. Ed takes a few steps forward, then turns around and calls out for a new tambourine. And next thing I know, I'm looking up because I sense someone standing over us. Without hesitation, my brother hands me back the tambourine, and Ed hands him his very own. We're standing there smiling as Ed turns, walks away, and suddenly he's facing us again and motions for my brother to toss the tambourine back to him, which he does without hesitating. Ed takes the tambourine, likes his sweaty face before tossing it back to my brother. Hmm. We still laugh about it to this day. A year later, at the TIFF premiere of Body of War, TIFF, I don't, I'm not sure what that is, uh... Ed was kind enough to sign each of them for us. And he ends off saying, Grand Rapids, who knew? <laughs> kind of uh, what, what, what you were saying at the beginning, like who knew this was going to be such a, uh, an amazing show to cover. Ties a nice little bow on it. Absolutely. Um, it, it, Grand, it just goes to show you that, that Grand Rapids can end up being a New York, a Chicago, a Seattle, any of those. And, it just it makes it makes this band all the more unique, all the more fun to study up on and research and uh, and listen to podcasts of as we hypnotize you. <laughs> uh, let's take it to the PSA. How about that? Surely. Live on Four Legs is happy to present a weekly podcast dedicated to the Pearl Jam Live experience. While we try to get ourselves to as many shows as possible, we have only attended a small fraction compared to the entire live history. That's why we need your help. We want to get to know who you are. If there's a live show that you've attended that you'd like to see us cover in our program, please send us an email at liveonfourlegs, that's the number four, liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com. We want to know your entire live experience. Did you once miss a flight? Get lucky in the 10 Club Lottery? Catch a white whale? Your stories will help us mold this into the best podcast it could possibly be. You're already getting to know who we are. Now it's time for us to know... Who you are. Like uh, that handsome man speaking to you just said, um, a handsome man in a, uh, another land. I don't, I don't know where he came from, but, you know, that must be the magic of technology. Um, please write into us if you have a show that you want to hear. Right into us and tell us that you want to hear a show. We we heard from uh, somebody this week, uh, and it actually it turned me on to something um, that we haven't done any festival shows yet. Yeah, we've been a little uh, hesitant. I would say, I I I have not had good experiences with festivals you know it's uh you you run the risk of them being kind of run of the mill and i don't know if it would make for a great show but well here and and we have an idea that's floating around for the summer that um uh you know what no we're gonna save it we're gonna save it we're gonna save it let's let's just say maybe you'll enjoy what we're doing in the summer maybe it'll be a little experiment like what grand rapids was who knows yeah yeah so we're going to try to work festivals in there 
somehow is what we're trying to say. Right, but it's 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 not going to be until like episode forty or something like that. Like the yeah. don't we're we're easing our way. We we wanna we wanna get in touch with the history and be all all about it and and, and a part of it, but. Uh, not just let, let's get into riot act before we get into that you know we want to make sure it's good by the time we get we, we, we get to it that's true too yeah that's true too so um speaking of riot act that's what we got next week uh awesome we're staying we're staying in america we're doing lots of boring america shows just kidding these these are great shows uh i think next week is going to be awesome uh it's camden new jersey 2003 night one um, some, I, sometimes you just got to take a shot in the dark and I had a three hour, three plus hour car ride to New Jersey. Uh, I want to say like about a month ago and I, all I did was I searched on YouTube. I searched Pearl Jam full set 2003. I wanted whatever show from 2003 there was. And the first thing that popped up was, uh, this Camden show. And I listened to it, and right away I was I was blown away, um, and it's just a phenomenal freaking show. Out of all the ones that I've done that to, that one stands out the most. So next week we're digging into Riot Act, and I think we're gonna have a lot of fun with it. I think there's a lot of things to talk about. Even though we had a lot of Riot Act songs today, we're gonna get the same ones, but different perspective on those. So next week. If you were there and you have any stories that you want to share with us, please, you know, live on four legs podcast at gmail.com uh, or hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at live on four legs podcast. Uh, we're all over the place. Easy, easy to find us, easy to talk to us. That's, you know, easy, easily accessible. So um, if you're at the show and you have a good story to tell, just, just shoot us a note. Camden, New Jersey. 2003 night one that's what we got going for you next week i'm excited yeah uh, i think we don't have we don't have too much we have like the next maybe like two to three weeks planned out but uh we don't have too much outside of that and we're just kind of again just flying by the seam of our pants just deciding you know what's what's a good era and we'll we'll pose it back out to you the fans too. I'm sure I'll do some uh, Facebook question questionnaires, but um, you know, it's this is your show as much as it, it, we're just talking about it. This is your show. Whatever you guys want us to do, whatever you're into, whatever we haven't covered yet, you know, you throw it at us and we'll we'll catch it and and throw the runner out at third. Yes. So that's <laughs> got to get the baseball analogy uh, in there. Of course you do. Of course. Of course you do. Yeah. Um, all right. Anything else uh, to say to wrap it up? Uh, no. Anything else on Grand Rapids? No, just uh, have, a, have a safe and happy weekend, and uh, we'll see you next week. Oh, hopefully. <laughs> it, it is January, so you never know wherever you are if it's going to snow. Stay warm. Uh, that's all I got. january pretty much sucks it's just yeah you you run out of things to say because there's nothing happening so aside from the nfl playoffs um and the royal rumble for some of us uh there really isn't much going on right so um yeah if, if if you're a bears fan 
Oof. Sorry. It was hard to watch. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that that should do it for this one. It's the end. We're here, but not for much longer. I miss you already. I miss you always. For Randy and Matt and Live on Four Legs and, and our, uh, our Patreon donor, Bradley, we bid you all farewell until next time. Bye. Thank you.